Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the DestroProds.com comic book podcast, our monthly comic book show. <laughs> monthly, yeah, at this point. <laughs> so sorry about that. This show we're, exists. We're yeah. here. We're here. We're here for you. Don't worry. You'd think now that we have a patron, we'd be more. I'd be more willing to actually get these shows out on time. You need to contribute more to the patron, folks. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, oh, we got one, which is more than I ever thought we'd get. Hey, listen, we appreciate all of you. All of the one or two or three of you. Thank we you, Absolute you. Zero. <laughs> we love you. Anybody who listens, the 30 listens that we get a week or every two weeks, we love you. So, <laughs> we're talking about comics. Yeah. Uh, and because we are recording the show this week, there will be no show next week. It will be back to trying to do the regular schedule after that because... Like, we haven't done the show in a month. But then we did, like, two we did two anime shows in regular time, so I think we missed one of those. But... We're straight. We're straightening out. We're yeah. working out. In the meantime, Power Rangers. Yeah. <laughs> Shattered Groot has begun! I'm here to talk to you guys, because I enjoy <laughs> this. I enjoy this part of the show, believe it or not, so... Feel free. I'd like to hear about Power Ranger Boys. <laughs> Power Ranger Boys. Yeah. yeah. So Power Ranger like Boys is the gay porn parody. Yeah. I'd like to hear about the Power Rangers Boys, is what I meant to say. <laughs> <laughs> of course it was. You're drunk. Yes. Yeah. You know, I'm all good. I'm good. I'm good. Go ahead. <laughs> so, this is the this is an event. This is a big event that's been, that they've been building up to for a little bit now. Uh, it is going. To, it is a crossover of every Power Rangers team. Apparently, is yeah. Kyle Higgins starting with it? Uh, fucking over Jin? So fuck Time Force fans, I guess. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Didn't watch all our friends die, and then almost got grabbed by a god hand before going back to the past and just passing out. Is Kyle Higgins still involved somewhat? Oh yeah, he's still oh, yeah. writing the book. This is like it's like oh, as yeah. a sign of how big this is to him, Miko. He got Jason David Frank into oh, wow. a Lord Dracon costume to shoot a video <laughs> intro trailer for this comic series. Yeah, wow. yeah, just Jason David Frank in full fucking Dracon gear, watching clips of old Power Rangers series, and then coming outside saying, we're going to kill them all. <laughs> well, to be fair, uh, as far as I know, Kyle Higgins was a man of Hollywood at one point. He tried to, I think he wrote some screenplays, if I'm not mistaken, he was... He did try to go the Hollywood route, so that's pretty cool of him. Yeah, and I, and I assume after Power Rangers 2017, he was like, "Nope, I can do better than this." <laughs> I got fucking, I got Power Rangers for days. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, it didn't go as badly as that time. Dead Man and I were dreading the movie's initial release, and we thought we would have to bring Kyle Higgins' volumes into the theater just to go. It's not my Power Rangers. It's not my Power Rangers. But yeah, just like we'd go there like half an hour before the movie starts, just like put him up, put them on all the seats like fucking church pews. I <laughs> yeah, I know you guys were pretty high on it at that time. Like you guys were loving the launch of this book. You're like, this is way better than we had any expectations of it to be, and that was yeah, a good and, thing. We, and right, and we're still, I think, loving the book still. Yeah, okay, I mean, okay, so there was, okay, let's put this. Let's go for it. A, I'll, I'll shut up now. Okay, then. Okay, so do you want to talk about the book? Because I have something I want to say about the book series as a whole. Yep. And Kyle Higgins. I was mainly talking to Dead Man since he's also read it, but sure. Yeah. Uh, you talk about the series, uh, just kind of overall. Then we'll get into the specifics of Shattered Grid number one. Okay. 
Um, I, I'm curious to see what will happen if Kyle Higgins creates another villain as a, iconic as Drakan. Because that period in between the end of the, the initial arc with Drakan as the ultimate bad guy and leading into this was not it was not bad at all, but it was kind of middling. It was a bit of a step down because there wasn't really any big threat outside of Rita, and Rita hasn't been a threat ever. Yeah, and even 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 outside of Rita not being much of a threat, Rita was disempowered kind of during this segment, so she wasn't yeah. really doing much of anything. So it's, she wasn't even in the picture. Like no, she, she wasn't. Was in the, a, she was in the picture, was, just kind of on the periphery. Uh, yeah. Okay. It, it was okay. more focusing on like the world of Power Rangers because immediately after um, the initial Dracon stuff ended, uh, we were introduced to the former Red Ranger of the former Mighty Morphin Power Rangers team. Yes. Okay. Okay. And then that's been the story. The story has been the mm-hmm. Rangers working with this lady and her company because she's now because like they had like this fucking huge tech conglomerate. Wait, hold up. The new Red Ranger is a woman? No, the old Red Ranger. No, the, okay, let's, okay, so something that was the period that we probably didn't talk about much just because we didn't think there was as much to talk about. Uh, they introduced that one of the older, maybe not the original, but one of the older teams of Power Rangers took place in like the late 1960s, which is a deliberate reference to the fact that that's when Super Sentai as a concept Right, started. I was just about to say, so yeah. not the and original so, Power Rangers to America per se, but the original Power Rangers that actually they took their reference from originally well, well no like the, the team the team was the team used the mighty morphin powers which was not the original sentai suits right no, so like the original they, sentai the red was a woman is what you're saying yeah no well, wow you were oh, okay. timeline no you just said that she was a woman i thought you just said yeah so the team that we are talking about from the early 60s or the early to mid 60s the red ranger of that team was a woman okay yes. yeah that's what i was saying yeah I think we're talking past each other, but yeah, probably. Yeah, I wasn't. It wasn't a drunk mix-up. I said she was a woman originally. That's all. No, like every time. Every time I heard you say the Red Rangers woman, you were saying the new team. No, no, no. I said I heard. I I heard the new team. No worries. Okay. So, anyways, to go on, I'm trying to be (laughs) very clear. The current Ranger team, led by Red Ranger Jason. Right. Uh, they met. They met this lady who just kind of showed up after the Dracon stuff and was like, "Hey, I used to be the Red Ranger. Come work with me." So is Kyle Higgins then the writer uh, taking this into full effect? Like, is he referencing the fact that there is such a thing as the Sentai Rangers, or not no, at the, all? The, the just... Sentai Rangers aren't a thing. Power Rangers is Power Rangers. Right. But he is referencing the fact that the red original this, this Red Ranger concept, was this, oh, this, right. This concept started in the sixties, right? Okay, yeah, he's saying it started in the sixties, but it's Power Rangers. There is no, yeah. there is no like Sentai thing. It wasn't like well, some Japanese dudes back in the right. day put on costumes right. for a TV I mean, show. If they, right. all, if they wanted to go all the way back to the core of Sentai, they would get a cease and desist from Marvel because the original Sentai was Japanese Spider Man. So yeah. That's uh, you know, that's that's cool that he at least acknowledges the fact that these things happen though in in a in sort of a way though, right? Like that, I'm sure you guys that know this appreciate that. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like at least like so, he's okay. at least like, acknowledging it. All right. So in, before this shattered grid stuff started, Power Rangers was getting geopolitical. Yeah, 
in a, in a way where like the, the the former Red Ranger is now like the head of a government agency that's uh, I think it's like, a, the, it's like a private company with government contracts. Yeah, it's a Blackwater type thing. But she wants they she wants the current Ranger team's help dealing with uh, the cleanup and messes caused by these monster things, including the fact that Finster created monsters that could hide themselves amongst humans long enough, and then he would just randomly detonate one at some random time and have it start causing havoc. And yeah. this has been causing lots of chaos and destruction around the world. Yeah. At which with- point, Rita came back after getting help from some weird guy in a mask. Some, like, wizard, I think. Something and, like that. Um, yeah. And she saw that Finster's like, this is a brilliant plan. This is not a good... Like, here, detonate them all at once. Like, uh, but that that kind of defeats the purpose. This is like a a terrorist thing. Like, they work better if they're hiding and they detonate separately and not all at once. No, detonate them all at once. He's like, ugh, fine. <laughs> yeah, fucking whatever. Empress of Evil, fucking dumbass. Boop. So, and at some point... Uh, I can't remember what the specific reason was that Billy was looking. I know he was suspicious of the organization that this that the former Red Ranger works for, but I don't know. I can't specifically remember why he started poking around. But basically, he discovers that Dracon was taken captive by this agency, and that they are holding him for information and tech, or at the very okay. least, they were. Yeah. Cut to mm-hmm. Shattered Grid, where shit Things has gone start- down. Yeah, things start in space and the future, maybe. So time force. I mean, it's 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 time force. Yeah, it could be in the future, the past. It's just it's time force. Yeah, <laughs> happening at a point probably. Uh, time force is out there in the big fucking megazord. Uh, they're going towards a lightning bolt shaped tear in reality. They get close to it. Everything gets fucked as three fifths of the team die. Oh, shit. So then Wes and Jen, the red and pink rangers, they're the only ones left as Dracon's shadow come, starts coming out of the fucking tear. Uh, J- uh, Wes is like, hey, Jen, you got to go fucking back in time. Stop this shit from happening. Figure out what's going on and just stop it. I'll I'll go try to fucking buy you some time as Wes kamikazes the fucking time force zord into the fucking rip. That's a Wes move. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Absolutely. <laughs> and Time Force technology has gotten way better because now they don't have to, because now when they time travel, they don't have to be punched by a giant robot. They just got a jetpack and just boom. Uh. <laughs> Cut to Mighty Morphin Team. They're all hanging out, uh, realizing, oh, wait, this organization, this organization might not be the best because they were holding Dracon. Uh, they head back to the they head back to the uh, fucking uh, command center where there's like all right yeah so Draken's out there uh, we need stuff Billy Trini go be nerds uh, meanwhile Jason and Zach are I don't know doing karate and hip hop training Peace. hanging out at the juice bar meanwhile Tommy and Kim. Get like an actual relationship going thing. They start actually like trying that. Yeah. Which I'm pretty sure actually, but I'm pretty sure like that calls back to the go, the current go, go power Rangers series with what happened with her, with Kim's boyfriend in that. Yeah. A little bit. 
And it's going to be weird. Like, I don't know if um, Ryan Parrott is going to try to bring um, Tommy into Go-Go Power Rangers. Because it's not clear to me how long they were Power Rangers before Tommy showed up, per se. But... Yeah. It's it, it, That's going to be weird. It's probably going to... This this series, like Go-Go Power Rangers specifically, has a has an expiry date on it. Yeah, like it, like it, the specific description of it in the series is the first year that they are Power Rangers. And while I've watched the whole series, I'm not exactly sure how long they were technically supposed to have been Power Rangers before Tommy showed up. So I don't know when that series would end. Yeah, it would presumably end either like with Green with Evil or directly before Green with Evil. Yeah, that would make the most sense. Unless it unless it was something ra- weird like they end on the green candle or something. Yeah. That that doesn't seem likely though cuz Yeah, anyway. So, yeah. In the book they're going on uh Kim and Tommy they finish up their date. Heading back different directions. Tommy goes down the alley where Batman's parents were murdered. <laughs> yeah. Then Dracon who in the process of escaping, decapitated Saba, tricked Ninjor into fixing his powers, and then killed Ninjor, I think. He, he's on like, oh, I need green chaos energy. Hey, Tommy, stab. And then Tommy dies in an alleyway. Yeah. <laughs> uh. I mean... I'm not saying I, I don't appreciate that kind of stuff happening because Shattered Grid feels like it's trying. Okay, so like after a certain point, every season of Power Rangers ends with like an apocalyptic level event. And since this is supposed to be like all Power Rangers from all periods dealing with the ultimate potential threat they could ever possibly deal with, you kind of have to amp up the scale of the drama to a point that. This is going to get undone by the fact that you're dealing with time travel and reality shifting, but yeah. you don't necessarily know what that's going to mean. <laughs> no, you do not. And I feel like, if I had to guess, I'm going to assume that Tommy's going to be resurrected as the White Ranger, and that's going to be like the thing to end the series. That'd be cool. Yeah. But yeah, like this is yeah, this is every single Power Rangers team. Like when we started out, it was it showed uh. As the as the as the Time Force Rangers were flying toward the tear, we saw on the screen as they were like monitoring three different time periods and three different Ranger teams. It was the RPM Dino Rangers, Force. yeah, Dino Force, RPM, and a third one. I'd have to look at the. Let me let me bring up the image. You you keep talking. Yeah, and that's. I know it's I know it's simple. I know it is just like a small little stupid fucking thing to get fanboys, but that kind of got me. Just seeing, sure. Just seeing this fucking huge team up thing because they haven't like Power Rangers used to do team ups every season. Mm. Well, like listen, back, like like back they, in the day, they had like this long and storied history of bringing in old Rangers yeah, to do like team up episodes. They haven't right. done it since the Bond took back over. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they, they, they obviously tapped into something like you just said, fanboys. You guys are obviously fans of this property, so you know, listen, this is something that appeals to you. To see, right? Yeah, like, and yeah, and it's gonna be interesting seeing Kyle Higgins writing, and like Kyle Higgins and Ryan Parrott writing every Ranger. 
right. or at the yeah. very least a huge swath of rangers. Because so far, we've only seen them t- focus on the Mighty Morphin team. Those original five yeah. to six teenagers with attitude. And I and like they do, they do pretty good with those guys. I'm just wondering how that will translate into the rest of the teams. It seems like that, at least from what you guys are telling me, though, they have a pretty good knowledge of the of these characters. Oh yeah, it's so, a it's a big uh, this, this is a big dumb fucking nerd jerk off fest, and I fucking love it. Yeah, okay, but at least, apparently it's just it's the other, the third team is just the Mighty Morphin team. So it's RPM, Dino Dino Charge, and uh, Mighty Morphin. Yeah, so it, it's actually kind of cool. It, it it does a weird thing of like kind of it does a weird thing of kind of like solidifying those teams more into Power Rangers than it is because than it has been because those teams for the longest time have just been kind of alone. Yeah. But like even, even like RPM, they're in a different universe, which, you know, kind of is kind of, you know, doesn't really link itself up to like team ups very well. But then there was that fucking War of the Red Rangers or whatever the fuck it was where like where they get in the magic subway Oh and, right. Yeah. That I don't know what that was. <laughs> but yeah. And so having like the Dino Charge team, which is which before Ninja Steel was the most recent team and kind of brought Power Rangers back in a weird way. A- after the garbage that was Mega Force. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They brought yeah, Dino Force Dino Charge brought that they brought Power Rangers back in a real big way. And seeing them on one of the like most beloved teams, like seeing, seeing them even if it's just a fucking image of them interacting with that fucking team. Does a weird thing of does a weird thing of like solidifying in my brain. Oh right, Power Rangers. Yeah. Okay. So it's a sign. Here's something to think about, Nico. That like for fans of Power Rangers, like Dead Man and myself, Power Rangers as a global concept to most people outside of Japan is just the Mighty Morphin team because that's sure. when it was the most popular. That's when it was the most commercially marketable. That's when it was the most widely known. Yeah. So anything outside of that has kind of been relegated to history unless you're a fan. So, that's, so as a sign of that, like, it's easier for me to find a a, a yellow um, dinosaur, a, a saber-toothed tiger dinosaur, than, say, like, a Time Force t-shirt or something like that. So, like, yeah. even, like, merch sure. for, like, teams that are not Mighty Morphin are not made. Unless you want to sell, so, like, the 500 bucks to get the custom-made Power Ranger helmets. Well, that, yeah. well, that, well, that's why, it, and you're right, at least from my perspective, because I was only a fan of the Mighty Morphin era um, when I was like, fuck, what grade was I in? Like, grade three or four or five, I guess through that era. Fuck, I was very young. Um, but um, that's the that's the era I know because, and that, which is surprising to me because you guys mentioned that the White Ranger actually hasn't actually came to be yet in this series. Oh no, Tommy, no, that, yeah. that's, Tommy that's started the, out as the Green Ranger, and then right after which that he dies. Became, right? No, no, he doesn't die. Right. He, he just he just loses no, he the just powers. No, powers. I didn't say he died. I remember him though becoming like I remember the White Ranger. Like that was the thing. That was probably the last big thing in that uh, happened in the. Well, yeah, I series. think after after. After Tommy became the White Ranger, I kind of stopped caring about Mighty Morphin. Same. But back then, yeah. <laughs> but then, as, as but then, kid, like after a couple a, years, just oh, a new Power Ranger series on. Might as well watch it. I am fucking into it again. Yeah. Okay. No, I it didn't. I think recapture. Yeah, okay. It for so me, like, but 
Yeah, like, I, I loved the green. The green yeah. ranger was my favorite. Let, let, let like, and then so, he became the white ranger. I was like, holy shit. Yeah, he became <laughs> the white ranger. And then he became a red ranger. And then he became another red ranger. And then he became a black ranger. And <laughs> See, I don't even know any of that shit. Oh, yeah. But no, like, he, I, uh, he, he was, he was, a, he was right. two different red rangers, one of them for only a single movie. <laughs> That's fucking crazy. See, I, all I remember is I dressed up as that fucker as a Green Ranger for Halloween. Like, oh, that was, <laughs> you know, that was like, like yeah. that was my, that was a big thing for me. Yeah. Like, I yeah, used so to like, love that. And yeah. so the thing about this event and Dead Man, you can feel free to, if you to disagree with me if you want to. What this feels like to me is like this is what Mega Force should have been. Absolutely. Like okay. okay, so for fans of Power Rangers, and I don't, I'd have to ask a greater group of fans to be certain, but the ones I know, which are you, me, and Caveman Deadman, uh, the two worst seasons of Power Rangers are Mega Force and Operation Overdrive. Operation Overdrive, just because it was dumb, boring, and badly written. Yeah, like Operation o- Operation Overdrive was Operation Overdrive was terrible, but that was because of. The actual creative choices the team made with Megaforce, there were no creative choices. Yeah, that's because like the whole premise of Megaforce was a way to essentially celebrate the history of Power Rangers. Yeah, Megaforce was the 20th anniversary season of the of the show, and it basically turned into, "Hey, remember this? Hey, remember this? Yeah, that's all hey, it was. Remember it this? Was, <laughs> it was nostalgia baiting without actually grasping what those yeah. things mean to the Power Rangers mythos." I mean, the, fi- the, the finale of Megaforce features ev- a lot of rangers from a lot of teams coming back to help the current team, and it felt like it meant nothing. <laughs> Absolutely. It was just, like, it was, it was this battle of the rangers where, like, every ranger for the past 20 years was going to show up, and it's going to be this fucking awesome, goddamn, huge dick-swinging battle, and it's going to be fucking sick. And then, like, five people take their helmets off, and the rest are just going, Ugh! in the background. Whereas this, yeah. this is, this feels this, this feels like a team up episode. This feels like fucking like Forever Red or something, but to like the nth degree. Yeah. Like I'm looking for like I don't know. I, I assume Jin is at some point going to meet with the Mighty Morphin team, and Absolutely. I would like, given like, that next given issue. that um given that the dynamic for a lot of of Time Force was that Jin was kind of the one in charge. And she just, like, she trusted Wes enough to give him leadership capabilities, but she was the one mostly in charge. She's probably going to look at Kimberly and Jason and say, why do you let him lead? (laughs) (laughs) Or, actually, I think she's going to be more just like, why are any of you rangers? What the fuck? Because, like, for her, outside of, like, the Wild Force team, I think, every... Ranger team has been like so. So she's interacted like, with yeah, uh, like trained. Yeah, yeah. Like the team she's been the team that uh, she's. I might be remembering this wrong, but it was the it was Lightspeed Rescue. No, it wasn't Lightspeed Rescue. No, wait, it was Lightspeed. Yeah, it was Lightspeed Rescue. Yeah, Lightspeed Rescue, which was a team of of people trained in specific really uh, rescue services. Yeah, and the Time Force, which are cops. Yeah, and then the team before. Uh, fucking! I, I know. I remember the Time Force team interacting with, like, teaming up with two different teams. Well, Wild Force was one of them. That was the big one. Reinforcements from the future. Right. But. Yeah. Okay. For some for some reason, I was thinking like, no, wait, that doesn't make sense. Uh, Light Force, Lightspeed Rescue teamed up with fucking Wild Force because that fucking River Red thing. Oh wait, that was the second team up. No. Yeah, and yeah, the then the the big team up with Lightspeed Rescue was with 
get with uh, Lost Galaxy, which was a, a wholly forgettable season of Power Rangers. But yeah, like of the teams she's teamed up with so far, it has been like, like you know, other like trained rescue operatives or kind of just magic people. Yeah, and so and so then just going in with going into a team that is just teenagers with attitude. She would probably be like, "What the fuck is this?" <laughs> Yeah, it's like, oh, you got a big head and a tube and a tiny... What are you? Do you guys have, like, a do you guys have like a commander or something? I need to talk to, like, a boss that's not a fucking fish tank. <laughs> or like, failing that, she just tried to take over and Jason would be like, eh, excuse me. <laughs> We're still in the part of the series where the Red Ranger is in charge. Yeah, that's, that's, that's the other thing that made me stop caring is that... Um, once Tommy came back as the White Ranger in Mighty Morphin and they switched Red Rangers, I didn't give a shit who the Red Ranger was. Yeah, fucking... <laughs> yeah, after Tommy became the White Ranger, half the team left. <laughs> Just replaced with other actors, two of whom were a bit less racistly fucking assigned colors. What? You're not the Yellow Ranger? You're not the Yellow Ranger, Chinaman? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ, man. Well, I mean, to I, be I, fair, I know, but like, still, dude, come on. <laughs> no, but no, they, they it seemed like they it seemed like they were actively course correcting because they hired an Asian dude to be the fucking Black yeah. Ranger and a Black lady to be the Yellow Ranger. Yeah, well, and then they made. The, it, and then are they you talking about the movie? <laughs> no, 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 just well, the, yeah, well the, well, the movie was was reminiscent of the switch over from season two to season three, and halfway through season two. Uh, they switched out Jason, Tommy, not Tommy, Jason, Zach, and Trini for uh, Rocky, Adam. Ro- yeah, Rocky, Adam, and uh, Aisha? Aisha? Yeah, because like there were two black yellow rangers before the end of Mighty Morphin. Yeah, that one of got them. really confused. Yeah, 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 one of them was like the first person they introduced. And then the second one was brought forward from the past. Yeah, like the, the weirdest thing at the end of season three of Mighty Morphin. One of the terrible. Yellow Ranger went back in time and switched places with a random chick that she met during the time travel and told her to take her place as a Yellow Ranger. I was like, what the fuck? Yeah, I'm going to stay back here, live to 35, and die of syphilis. You go to the future and be a superhero. This is You're not making this any better. This is terrible. <laughs> How dare they? It's racism. Well, I mean, they also, they accidentally, uh, Jason David Frank has Native American history, and they made him the Red Ranger. The Red Ranger so, twice. The- <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> Oops. Yeah, it, it's that's the thing. They're it's color- funny, you guys You guys met well by going down that road. You're like, we'll make right by this, but... Pa- Power Rangers is- <laughs> has a history of, like, colorblind casting, and, like, very, like, yeah. diverse casts, but... Because of that, they're also kind of stupid and occasionally do something unintentionally racist. Listen, I know that you're not Ugh. racist, but <laughs> this show might have been at time to time. <laughs> well, I mean, the I mean, the Asian one was into fucking Tai Chi and the black guy had a version of uh, fucking martial arts that, that incorporated hip hop dancing. Yeah, so makes sense. <laughs> anyway, Shattered Grid is off to a promising start. I'm glad to hear that. It sounds really good. I wish I was into it as much as you guys are. 
Or I might have been following it. Is it just a good comic to get into it? Just yeah, to yeah get it's, into just like, it? it's just like a solid comic. Like if you know these, if Maybe you know the I'll material, check, yeah. If you know the source yeah. material, then you're like, yeah, okay, I can. You you can get a bit more out of it. But if you're just like coming in fresh, I think it's a good introduction to the team and a really good just book overall. Hmm. Maybe I'll check it out then because it does sound promising. Yeah, once you get once you get Shattered Grid, that's when you need to be like that's when you need to like know people who know shit about Power Rangers, right? But like, you mean the main series prior to that? Like, does yeah. it do the same thing that IDW or this is Boom? I guess. Yeah. Is it like the same? Shit, though, are they owned by the same people now, actually? I can't remember. No, they're not. No, IDW Boom and Boom are different companies. Right, right, right. Um, is it almost like how they did with the power um, with the Ninja Turtles, though, let's say? You know, like how they let people in on the ground floor with the new Ninja Turtles series? I read that for a bit. Uh, and you didn't you didn't seem to need to know anything about that Ninja Turtles series prior not to Not really. Like, the Ninja Turtles series was a whole reboot. It was a start from zero. This is a whole new... This is a whole new... Ninja Turtles series that to introduce new people to it. This book is we are coming in at a specific point. They're coming in mm. after one of the most like important bits in the Power Rangers fucking canon. Okay. Yeah. And they're telling our and they tell our own story going forward from that. But as long as you have the context going in, you can still enjoy the book. And Nico, you have the context. You've talked to us once. No, I know. I I, I did it. I did watch. You don't even have to have watched all of Mighty Morphin. You just have to have watched Green with Evil. And based on what I know of a lot of people who are just casual fans, and I ask them about Mighty Morphin, they're like, oh, yeah, Green with Evil. That was fucking awesome. Yeah, everybody's (laughs) seen Green with Evil. Green with Evil is the Citizen Kane of fucking Power Rangers. Yeah, I think I've seen enough to actually appreciate this. It's just I've, even though you guys always hype it up i've yet to, to plunge so that's why i keep asking about it so yeah. maybe I should, again it is like once, yeah, once yeah. Get to well, okay yeah. this, let me put it this way nico this i don't know if it's out yet but if it isn't it will be soon okay um kyle higgins and id and it's, it's boom studios that yeah, releases boom. this Not, yeah, yeah ha, are f- collected the entire first year of the series the entire lord dracon story into one comic collection Covering like seventeen or eighteen issues, and I think it's about okay. forty bucks. Okay, like is it a hard? It's like a year one hardcover type thing. Is that what yeah. it's called? Uh, yep. Okay. Power Rangers, nine more Power Rangers year one deluxe. The hardcover is eighty dollars. Okay, yeah. I saw it for forty. I must have been lucky. Canada with side, we're <laughs> yeah, in Canada, Canada though, <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> okay, all right. So yeah, maybe I'll check it out. Yeah, it's about five hundred pages. Okay, and that's like the first twelve issues. That's 17. the first year. Okay, yeah, so 12... Uh, okay, maybe I'll check it out. I, it was, I'd like it, to uh, join in with you guys in this. You just seem so invigorated every time you guys talk about this. It's like, wow, this is a lot of fun. I mean, I at like, the oh. worst... The, the, this is a weird series that at the worst it's ever been, it's just been okay. Fair yeah, enough. Like, okay. there was a lull where they had no story energy. Like I said, I'm worried what'll happen once this Shattered Grid thing's over because I think that... If they keep using Dracon after Shattered Grid, it might get into Rita territory. Where like, okay, you're overusing him; he's not as effective anymore. I think it's. I think. Right. I think like the. I. I'm pre- I think uh like the Shattered Grid. I think might be the actual end of Dracon. Like it kind of has to be. That would make sense. So I watched yeah, then, the movie, and then, and then going forward from Sorry, that is Lord Zed. <laughs> yeah. So I watched which, the movie, movie? recently. The newest movie that came oh, out. Oh, okay. Power Rangers, Power Rangers 2017? Uh, yeah. Christmas um, <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> It was 
okay. I mean, if it, yeah, if it's, yeah, it is okay. Um, yeah, I mean, if we I were got expecting a, awful, we got no, okay. no, yeah, we, me and Bertie were expecting awful. Sure, okay, yeah, it was just okay. Like it, it was, yeah, for me at least. Yeah, me and Bertie were back... expecting hot fucking dog shit abortion level territory, sure. and we like, were we pleasantly were, surprised like, we were... by having it be all right. We were expecting something to make us look fondly back on the '95 movie. Sure. <laughs> no, no, I, I, I know. The last time we, you guys spoke about Which it, I, had, I, I have yet to seen. I have saw it at that point, but yeah, I've seen it now, and yeah, that's all I have to say. It was okay. It wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't a. a you know, and, and I, if you're I, not a huge Power Rangers fan, there's not much reason to go back. The only reason you would no. go back, Nico, is if you wanted to listen to our commentary on DeathStoreProz.com with me, Dead Man. And <laughs> there you go. Yeah. <laughs> Plug that shit, son. I taught you there well. There you go. Yeah, that's. Uh, I'm sure that's a hot fucking podcast. Right there. <laughs> well, we just had fun noting how much. Um, sure. The dad of the new guy playing Jason kind of looks like the old guy who played Jason. Yeah, it's like it's like it's like the guy you get when you can afford more than Austin St. John. Right. <laughs> Which is weird. I've never seen I've never seen a rich person's version of an actor. <laughs> like more often than not, you get like like you always get you always have like the poor man's whatever. This guy, I've seen him in other stuff. He's been in like relatively big name stuff. I have not even heard Austin St. John's name until the former fucking blue turbo ranger tried to make a movie. Sorry, who did he play in this movie? Austin St. John was the no, original no, Red uh, Ranger. Yeah, Austin St. John played Jason in the original Mighty Morphin Oh, Power yes, series. yes. And okay. there is a guy who plays the father of the guy who plays Jason in the new movie who looks a lot like Austin oh, St. John. Okay, I'd have to go was, back and watch it. Which was weird canon for me. Who, who is the fucking guy that took a swing at somebody with an actual samurai sword in real life? Uh, that was Ricardo Medina. That was Ricardo... Um, Medina. Medina. Yeah, Ricardo Medina. Which he ranger was, the, was that? Yeah, he was the Red the Wild Force Red, ranger. Yeah, Red Wild Force. Ah, uh, okay. And then he played a villain... In so he wasn't the Mighty Morphin Red Ranger, because yeah. because whenever when when I heard that originally, it was like the Red Ranger, and I automatically thought of the Red Ranger from the original series. Yeah, he was Cole for, Evans, he, right? Okay, yeah. the Roaring Knight, no, 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 no. um, and he actually yeah. did, and actually did kill that guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, I know, yeah. I know, arrested, I remember. Right. For <laughs> That's yeah. crazy. I know Austin St. John's a firefighter now, so no, he's, he's doing. Oh, fine. okay. Yeah, he's he yeah, occasionally he's fine for himself, for, but like still, he's still he's stuff, still banging he's... out chicks on a regular. Then oh, word. <laughs> <laughs> sounds about right. All right. <laughs> All right. So, do we have anything else to say about Shattered Grid at this point, other than we're co- no, oh, wait, I don't think so. Um, Just like yeah, Ranger Slayer. Uh, Ranger Slayer. Uh, I'm. It's, this is the second time you said. I don't actually think I remember that person. Nope. Okay, maybe I forgot about it. Um, evil Pink Ranger. Right, right, yeah. Fucking her with fucking... I completely forgot with, what actually with, happened. With with Finster Alpha. Yeah, with Alpha Finster. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. Actually, he's called Finster 5. <laughs> yeah, so at some point, uh, at the, I think it's right at the end of the issue, um, from some dimensional hole... An evil-looking pink ranger comes saying, I must retrieve Lord Dracon. Yeah. And with her is Finster, the little, the, the little for Miko, the little monster guy who makes all of Rita's monsters, wearing, yeah, like, okay. an alpha, wearing like an alpha cosplay. Okay. So, huh. according to the internet, 
that's Lord Dracon's Kim. Yeah, oh. that's what, I wasn't sure if that's what they were going to do, but yeah. So that's his that's his child. Is what you're saying. No, 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 not no, kid. no, Kim, 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 so Kimberly, oh, thought, the Pink Ranger. I thought, I thought I thought you meant his kid, like his child. No, <laughs> I, was no. like, I thought that's what you said. We oh, are kin, okay. you and I. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's what he said. I thought you said kid. All right, go on. Nope, that's Kimberly no. Hart. The so apparently, oh. from what I know about the Dracons multiverse side of Power Rangers, uh, and this was explained in the annual. Uh, after the end of Green with Evil, uh, Tommy was released from the spell like we know from Green with Evil, but he was so horrified by what he had done that he ran off, not sure what to do with himself, until Rita showed up and then, like, kind of convinced him to, like, work for her again, except without the mind control. Yeah. And then, I guess at some point, Kimberly was like, I don't care if he's evil, he's hot. Yeah. Like, oh my god, do you see that hair? <laughs> I don't know, maybe they just have really good chemistry even when he's evil. Like, that was the thing I always took away from Kimberly and Tommy when I was a kid. Like, they, they seemed like a good couple together, which is why the Dear John shit still pisses me off. But <laughs> that, I still can't believe that happened. <laughs> it's, it's so goddamn weird. And it's so, also uh, so goddamn weird that I kind of buy it now because of MMR Pink. No, I, I, I don't, mean, I don't, I don't like it buy it, but I, I kind of buy it. I can understand where they're coming from. It's still one of the more idiotic decisions a Power Rangers writer has ever made, and this is a show that is Power Rangers. Yeah. <laughs> but still, I'm fucking surprised the people who brought us Neo Batgirl almost sold me on the Dear John letter. Yeah. Yeah, Brendan Fletcher and uh, Kelly Thompson. Yeah, basically the not Babs Stewart side of things. I'm I'm gonna based on everything that she said. I'm pretty sure Babs Stewart is the reason I fucking hate that book. Is she the one who did the troll face thing Twitter when they announced Neo Batgirl that annoyed you? Yeah, yeah, she yeah she tweeted out okay. an image of fucking Spider Man three Tobey Maguire and his stupid fucking little smiley face. And it's like saying, oops, we it's like, hey, in this week's issue, we erased some stuff oops. from canon, you guys. I ch- we changed some things. <laughs> and I was like, fuck you, bitch. And given what we've replaced it with, I'm not cer- I'm fairly certain it was not for the better. No, it was not. And also, just like, I understand that people don't like what fucking The Killing Joke did to fucking Barbara Gordon. I don't like that. It was It was a fucking stupid moment of fridging. But the character bounced back. Writers, other writers, better writers fucking took that and spun it and made a really interesting fucking bit for her and kept the character strong. I actually made her kind of better. I liked her more when I liked her more after she fucking became Oracle. Not, not, not saying I didn't like her, but it was just another added thing of like, oh, you're actually still fucking great. And so getting rid of that gets rid of everything that happened to her. And everything she fucking it's, did. Yeah, so the problem the problem with Neo Batgirl is that the killing joke, it was a bad thing, but she grew up as a character because of it. Whereas Neo Batgirl 
seemed we were supposed to think she's grown up, but she's actually acting even dumber, I think, than she acted when she was still like 1960s original Batgirl Babs. Oh, no, yeah. Neo Batgirl was a regression in every possible sense of the word. It was a regression in tone, a regression in fucking character, a regression in every possible way you could regress Batgirl. Yeah. Speaking of which, Nico, was your girlfriend still reading it? Uh, his power went out. Oh, shit. Okay. Well, I guess it's just you and me again. Yep. It's unfortunate, but eh, we're here. <laughs> oh, so. well. Hopefully it'll come back. So, I guess we... Want to talk about Silencer? Sure. <laughs> I mean, it, <laughs> it, it is it is a pick of yours. Yeah. So, uh, New Age of Heroes. The DC post-Dark Knight's metal thing that has begun in earnest with a bunch of different books. Like, the majority of which are just, hey, what if, hey, what if Marvel? Yeah. Like, even the concept of, like, the New Age of Heroes feels like, what if Marvel? Because it feels like that thing that happened three or four years ago where Marvel just greenlit a whole bunch of new series talent just to see what would stick. Yeah. And yeah, we got Kamala Khan out of that, but like a lot of that stuff kind of disappeared super quickly or was not that like Silk should have died the instant she was sooner. conceived. Yeah. That should have been a stillborn character. <laughs> but instead somebody wrote Dan Slot a letter. Someone named Dane Sloot. <laughs> All right, yeah, so I've got some letters here. I got one from Dane Sloot, got one from Donna Slong, and I got one from uh got one from uh, Danishov Slogovich. Uh, There's three letters right yeah. there that are yeah. all written in similar handwriting, but don't think about it. This character needs yeah. to exist. So yeah, uh aside from one key difference, the silencer is like just the punisher. Yeah. As far as I could see, like, she has guns, she has martial training. It's like, like the, so I guess, uh, so no, it's no, what no. if the Punisher were a woman and felt she was getting too old for this shit? Kind of. Like, she's not old, but she's like, I don't feel like doing this anymore. I think it was specifically because she got a family. Maybe I don't work like the timeline is a little weird to me because like if the impression I got was that she walked and then she met a family, but I could be conceiving that wrong. I don't know. Yeah, I, but uh, she used to, she used to be some League of Assassin person. Yeah, like to to an extent that Talia trusted her enough to say, "I am willing to let you leave." Like you were loyal enough, and it's, it's basically the John Wick thing, yeah. where like she was loyal enough and. She carried out whatever task was required of her to earn her freedom, and she did. And now she is living a life with a husband in the burbs and a little kid. Yeah. Until who, when she's at the... Yeah, a kid who, based on the first page of the book, will survive. And, like, be around for a bit. Yeah. It, it will not, he will not be fridged. Yeah, which is shocking. That that would be the most interesting thing about this book. If, like, okay, as long as they don't do, like, the sitcom, the constantly... That's the one thing that annoyed me the most about this issue, is that they did the sitcom thing of the kids, like, playing with his his colored pencils 
while the mom is fighting a cyborg murder machine in the behind the car. Yeah. Which I know, like, okay, so the, the reason she's called Silencer is that she has a mutant ability which allows her to create a zone of absolute silence where no sound can be created. Which, yeah, it's a cool ability, and it makes for it both a cool visual, the way they do it, and a cool line where a mob, a mob boss who sent this guy out said, why is there no sound? To which his, his, under, his uh, underling says, there is, sir. He goes, son of a bitch. Silencer's been reactivated. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, uh, I mean, it, the, the reason I read this one is because Dan Abnett, who I'm becoming increasingly a fan of. Sure. And actually, it kind of makes sense. We were saying, like, this is not Punisher because in the 90s, he wrote Punisher. <laughs> yeah, well, I did hear, like you just mentioned, the closest relation to this new book is they, they basically copied John Wick. Like, that was the major big... Yeah, like, the, a lot of the major plot points feel a lot like John Wick, except for right. the fact that in, it, Talia came looking for silence for... Uh, her name is Honor. I don't know which is dumber, to call her by her actual name or her... Co- I guess I'll just call her the silencer. It's slightly less right. dumb than just yeah, saying it, your it, name it's is a bit, Honor. It's a bit more, like, thematically pr- appropriate. Yeah. So, and, so it's not like people were told to leave this person alone and they, some stupid jackass ignored it and reactivated her. She's on a path for revenge. Talia came looking for her in need of her help. And because the bad guys being the bad guys didn't discriminate, they tried to kill her and Talia. So at which point the silencer was like, fuck it. I guess I got to do this. I mean, the fact that Talia is actually looking for this person, though, gives her some credibility right off the back. Well, no, again, that's the the John Wick thing. Like, she worked for Talia. She was loyal enough that Talia trusted her. And she was skilled enough that Talia, she did the John Wick thing. It's like, I'll I'll release you if you complete an impossible task. And she did. Yeah, but it doesn't work as well as John Wick does. Because with John Wick... I feel like it. I've, it's a bit easier to believe like somebody is afraid of a person than it is to believe that a person who's been established as oh I'm the fucking best biggest dick ba- badass ever to then go oh hey friend welcome hi how are you hmm. and also like the, her co- I, this, is, this is a stupid thing I fucking hate her costume. You read this? No, too, it is. Man? It's very, very dumb. Yeah, yeah I, re- I read it too. Like, like when Talia first shows up, she gives her like a fucking disc, which I assumed was going to be like the John Wick thing of open it up. Oh, hey, there's a bloody thumbprint inside. Right. But instead, that is, I guess, her suit, it, which is. Yeah, it's like it, it, she puts it on like how Tony Stark put on like the suitcase armor from either Iron Man Two or the first season of the animated series. Yeah, slaps it's, it on and just fucking kinda, spreads out. It's just kind of dumb. <laughs> yeah, and the look of it is basically, what if the Michelin Man was thinner and had a mm. ball cap built into his head? Mm. Yeah. It, it just looks like, it kind of looks like lame. Like, for, for, the, for as weird of a method of storing it as they showed, I was kind of expecting it to be a little bit more technically impressive considering, and not just, like, gray tactical gear. So, <laughs> no, it wasn't so even tactical this- gear. It was just, like, gray airbags. So is this a lacking in in the JRJR art then? Uh, um, not really lacking. I mean, not, I mean like okay. Art. So like J- John Romita Jr. has always had trouble 
with like diverse facial expressions. And there's a little bit of that in this, in right. that like every even when people are trying to be quiet, they all look like slack jawed, like they're yelling. Um, but no, I think this is. I don't know if this is. I don't know who to blame for this. This could be Abnett and this could be Abnett, or this could be John Romita Jr. It's it's just a lack of creativity in design. Yeah. Let me like, ask you, you this. Let me. Sorry. Like this I, is I, not. This is not like the Spider Gwen outfit. This is not right. the Kamala Khan. This is or. This is not okay. Jaime Reyes Blue Beetle. It's so there's maybe, nothing iconic about this right. outfit. Maybe this is even more of a question of Dead Man. Then is this more of because I haven't seen the Silencer issue yet. I haven't read it. Is this more of a Kickass JRJR or is this a more of a Avengers? Let's all stand around and talk Bendis JRJR. Uh, it honestly, like when, when I went back and reread it again today, I actually was getting a lot of uh, a lot of Kickass vibes from it, just from like the tone okay. of the artwork. That's good, Jr. Jr. to me then, because but JR, he was, was he was okay. Go on. But like the thing with the thing with that was it was like it was like Kickass John Romita Jr. But trying to do like modern DC aesthetic stuff. Mm. Okay, yeah, so you, it wasn't. You don't really want to do Kickass with like a non. How do I put it? A non. Um, a non dumb because uh, they're trying to take this mostly seriously. Minus all the weird shit, but it's just yeah. This is a serious comic book story, but like a Kickass and Kickass was kind of taking down that idea. With this, this is just the idea. Mm. Okay, okay. No, that's that's cool. I just uh, I know I enjoy him on that series in particular, and this sounds like no, more I like in that his- vein. I it like sounds his like art more for the that, most part. Right. I mean, I don't. Sometimes it doesn't work. Like I think on World yeah, War Hulk, I don't always love JR. That's what I mean. Yeah. This, yeah, this is, like this is more a, a design aesthetic thing than actual like technical art right. thing. Right. Yeah. Because a lot of the time, I, I'm either like I either love his art or I hate it. Like it's never never really an in between. I think it, somebody needs to choose him for the right project a lot of the time. And this sounded like more in the kick-ass vein, so that's why I asked. So, but, yeah, okay. Interesting. Maybe it'll change in future. Like, it depends. Yeah. Like, okay, so whether or not it works is kind of to depend on the kind of combat they end up doing. Right. Because if if the combat's more like traditional superhero stuff, then Ramita Jr.'s more kick-ass style of aesthetic is really not going to work because it, it trades... It, you, with that kind of stuff, you want to kind of trade grit for style. Yeah. And right. if he's doing the kick-ass thing, you're not getting style. You're just getting grit. Mm. So, which, if, but, if, but with somebody like the silencer, you kind of need the style. Like style is kind of a good, a good chunk of this because, because of the like very technical nature of her ability in order for, in order for that to be just not another shootout. Right. I think sometimes he comes off a little stiff, though, in certain scenes. Well, yeah, so. because, because yeah. like his, his his body proportions don't lend themselves to fluid right. movement the way someone like uh, right who who's the really talented artist who was on, Marquez who was on Civil War Two. Uh, we oh, like, Dave God, Marquez, Dave Marquez. We were all like, God, why oh, are you yeah. not on better books for mainstream? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He did the defenders for Bendis before his uh before him leaving there. Yeah. Dave Marquez, fantastic. Yeah. He'd be a lot better from this is yeah. what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, well yeah, because like sure. particularly if it's gonna do the, the John Wick thing of very stylized 
gun fu style combat, then you kind of you don't really want the blocky thing because it, it kind of looks like rum, right. uh, rock'em sock'em robots where it's just right. punch or yeah. kick. Yeah. Jamina's yeah. oh, worked for a fucking kick ass because that was just some dork with a stick. No, fair enough. He definitely does come off blocky at times. I believe me. I, I, and at first, I actually was not much of a fan of his art. To be fair, but over time, I've actually learned to appreciate his. Oh no, art. It's, like, it, it, I do, similar, yeah, he's a similar he's kind a, of artist a, to Steve Dillon. Yeah. Okay. Oh. Well, for me yeah, at least like when I, when, I first, yeah. when I first read a Steve yeah. Dillon book I fucking thought this guy was like a sure. it was like they gave a pencil to somebody with cerebral palsy <laughs> here's the thing though that Birdie actually mentioned previous in what he was saying Steve Dillon could capture emotion way better than J.R.J. Oh, in my opinion but it, in, it's in my opinion of, like, his art is an acquired taste yes absolutely you know you're right in that sense yeah and that's and that's yeah. pretty much the only thing I was actually meaning by that is just yeah, it yeah. Was like the first time I read You're Steve right. Dillon, it was in an amazing Spider-Man spinoff book. Oh, the Tangled Web? Uh, no, not the Tangled Web. It was a book where like Peter was like going to was like remember, oh. commemorating like Uncle Ben's death with Aunt May, and Aunt I know May what you're like talking about. Nightmare. Yes, uh, I know exactly which one you're talking about. This one with um, oh, what the fuck was it called? I know what you're talking about. I'll get back to it eventually. I know exactly what you're talking about. It's not amazing, but it was called. Um, I know what you're talking. He only did matter. one issue. He only did one he, issue. He, of he, that. he did no, that. Yes. He did that one issue. I read yeah, it and, yeah. go, and went like, God, like yeah. the artist, like the artist, a fucking stroke. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No. But then, yeah. I, but then I go and read like fucking preacher or the Punisher, and I'm like, fucking goddamn, this dude's amazing. Mm. Yeah. Even then, it always works on the. Pun- he doesn't always work on the Punisher. Anyway. Yeah, I don't really have that much to say about this book. It's fine. I don't it I don't some of, I don't I haven't read too many of these new Age of Hero books, so I don't know everything. Yeah, the other But if this is like the standard level of quality, then this might be a doomed enterprise. <laughs> yeah, the only other one I read was uh the was Damage. Ugh. Which is the Hulk. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's like but it's worse. like the Hulk it's like the Hulk, but as a geo as a geopolitical agent, I'm like, no, that never worked for the Hulk. Don't no, yeah. actually, no. Actually, what it is is he started out as that, but the issue opens up with him breaking out of confinement and going on the run from the government. So you guys didn't read the terrifics? He did. No, I did. I did. Mm. Yeah, Bernie did. I didn't yet. <clears throat> Operative word being pre- yet. Well, pre- <laughs> previous to this uh, broadcast, so it didn't sound like you were a fan of that. Terrifics. Uh, we didn't really talk about the Terrifics, did we? Well, it was on my list, and uh, or on his list. I mean, if you're asking, was did I love it? No, I didn't right. think it was terrible. It was, but I was like I'm saying with this, if these two books are kind of the degree of quality that all of the new age of hero books are. And there's like nothing that right. stands out as like a Kamala Khan, Miss Marvel level of success. Then mm. I think this whole enterprise is kind of doomed. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it'll be a non-starter. Enough. Avenging Spider-Man is the name of the series. You were talking Avenging. Right. Yeah. That, that was one. like the Marvel team up almost series. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah. Okay. Anyways, so. Okay. I want to talk about ice cream, man. Go for it. Crap, I already finished my ice cream. <laughs> well, you better be careful. The ice cream might have been a spider. Or a mm. person. 
or nothing or everything. I don't know what this book is. It's fucking insane. It looks fucking eerie. Yeah, it's like well, yeah, it when is. I see I the looked at a few pages of it, and I was like, "What the hell is this?" <laughs> no, so all I have to say is there's a fascination with ice cream mans or milkmans lately. In- <laughs> yeah, so milk wars, spider. A lot of, a lot of psychonauts <laughs> fans out there. Mans. Yeah, just- <laughs> a lot of people serving each other shit. Go on, <laughs> milkman cometh. My milk, milk is rich mans, and fresh. Ice cream mans. People just want to serve each other dairy is what I'm learning. <laughs> so, Ice Cream Man is, I think it's a horror series. Okay. That, that's what it looked like it would probably be, but I don't know. <laughs> yeah, Look so, on this guy's face. <laughs> yeah, so written by, a Maxwell, written by W. Maxwell Prince and drawn by Martin Morazzo. Uh, the book opens up with a bunch of people with, like, really fucked up faces. And I don't mean, like, they were monsters. I mean, they are regular people, but their faces look too small for their faces. What? <laughs> it's like, the faces, the, the faces are all, like, weird proportions. They don't, they all, all, all parts feel like they're too small for what they're doing or, like, they're misplaced on them. Which, like, adds huh. to the kind of creepiness of it. Because, like, in wide shots and, like, dist- and, like distance shots... Uh, Morazzo is a pretty all right artist. Like the backgrounds in this book are really fucking great. He draws a really good spider and a really good corpse. But it's like people like sitting around like talking or whatever. They always look off. I mean, so, I'm looking at some of the preview art right here. I don't want to say anything offensive to anyone. But it looks like. No, I'm not going to say that. <laughs> like, I wow, see what you mean Nico by off, is racist. Though. It's not racist. No, I was going to say some of them look like they have, like, I don't know, like downs or something. <laughs> they look weird, is yeah, what they I'm look saying. Weird. That's, yeah. that's the main takeaway from this. Yeah, they look off. So the main, so the main character, as far as I can tell, is a cop named uh, Jolio Juan. Also known as 5V, the worst nickname I've ever heard, because her name contains all five vowels. <laughs> sure. Yeah, I think I think it name is spelled like J-I-A-O-L-E-U. That's like that's like reading Welsh where you're like, I'm talking to you. Yeah. <laughs> It's like, well, it's written as Siobhan, but it's pronounced Siobhan, and what the fuck? Like, all right, so this, all right, so this, this name has colors in it. You, you pronounce your name Siobhan. I pronounce it Cinnabon. <laughs> all right, so your name is spelled, <laughs> but it's pronounced Greg. What? Sounds about right. I'm just gonna call her. I'm just gonna call her Juan. Juan. So Juan uh, is called out to go check out some fucking. Kids, kids place with her partner. They go there and find two corpses inside, and her partner is then bitten by a spider and dies immediately because the spider is a some kind of Brazilian spider that is the most deadly spider in the fucking world. Uh, turns out that the owner of the spider, a young boy, uh, and the and the son of these two fucking murder people, it is like yeah, the spider is like adults, man, and he just so every day he would like go out to the ice cream truck, buy an ice cream, chocolate, two scoops, come back. Having finished his ice cream by then, throwing away the cone like some kind of communist. (laughs) Putting a clothespin on his nose, then going inside, talking to his parents' corpses and his spider. 
So she go, so they go in, find the corpses, partner dies, she chases the kid, who is then attacked by a werewolf. Uh, okay. <laughs> the werewolf is then bitten by the spider and runs away. Earlier, we see the we see this child out in the woods where he comes across the ice cream man who has all his clothes torn up. The kid has a stick and the ice cream man snaps fingers and turns the stick into ice cream. <laughs> okay. End of the book. Fuck you, bud. <laughs> End of the book. The ice cream man is at his truck, sees the spider, picks it up, snaps his fingers, and the spider turns into ice cream. So he has the power to turn anybody into ice cream. And he's also a werewolf. Oh, okay. So I sorry, I missed that. I heard you say I heard you say there was somebody that was a werewolf, but you're saying that the werewolf is also the ice cream man. Yes. Weird. <laughs> That's strange. Going okay. forward, I don't know what this book will do. Is this only the first issue that you've this read? This is so issue far? one. Uh, I don't know about this shit. <laughs> this this, this sounds like this sounds like if Trick or Treat wanted to be completely cerebral. Yeah, it, it's kind of. Like, I love Trick or Treat. No, you know, it's kind of like oh, it's kind of like what great. if Trick or Treat was a story about one character who was coming into every other story halfway through, and then leaving before they finish. But the great thing about Trick or Treat is that all stories came together. No, I, I know, I know, I know yeah. why Trick or Treat is good, dude. No, I know, but, but, I'm, just, but I'm just saying. But I'm just really saying, like, what if, <laughs> what if one character we we so we follow one character the, the entire movie. He yeah. sees that lady fucking like destroy a fucking jackalant or whatever, then moves on and sees some dude getting attacked by a bunch of werewolf vampire people or whatever. Yeah, sees the zombie kids. Sees another sees that guy burying the dead body in the backyard, and then ends with seeing the zombie kids again before he reveals that he is like the fucking devil or whatever. Just some weird thing following through all these stories, never actually finishing them or even really starting them. Just kind of jumping in to the middle of them, and then leaving before anything is resolved. It is just this weird thing where one character story might be resolved by the end of this fucking book, and I don't know who's yet. Yeah, I don't know. I'm looking over some of the art. Art is just like whatever to me. The art is weird. The art is weird. It kind of, kind of like, it kind of gives itself over to this really weird, like off kilter vibe the entire book has because with the art being as fucking weird as it is, it elevates the kind of creepiness of the story. Like even the werewolf. The werewolf doesn't look like a werewolf. The werewolf looks like, like a were lamprey. Like, like we see him, he is the you know proportions and size and hairiness of a werewolf, but he doesn't have a snout. It's just like a fucking maw. I have no fucking idea what this book is. Yeah, I got that impression that that might be the case when I looked at the description, but I'm glad someone confirmed it for me. Yeah, the, the Ice Cream Man is a book that is like weird for weirdness's sake almost, and I don't know if I'm going to continue reading it. Yeah, yeah. I always, I'm kind of getting sick of weirdness for weirdness' sake because weirdness for weirdness' sake usually has it doesn't care if the audience gets engaged or not. Yeah, just kind of. Hey, we're made, we're doing our own thing over here. It's fucking weird as hell. Is there a story? Who the fuck knows? Here's a spider. <laughs> yeah, I was like, what was that book I read that 
I described it, and Dead Man still wasn't sure what it was about. Um, uh, discipline. Let's spin the wheel. <laughs> the, the discipline, discipline? was one. Um, that was whom a good one. Destro- whom gods destroy is another one. Oh, uh, for fuck's sake! <laughs> I read the discipline. I actually enjoyed that. The fucking whom gods destroy the fucking readers. Fuck that book. <laughs> Jesus, no. And then another nail. Yeah. All right. Well, no, I guess sh- sorry. Should I- the nail. Another nail oh, coming up. Yeah. Then another nail's a sequel. I actually read both of them recently, uh, way after you talked about it. I enjoyed them. <laughs> I didn't think there was. I mean, they're definitely odd, but not as horrible as as you described them to be. I thought. But anyway, yeah. it's your turn, Nico. I guess. <laughs> All right. All right, so Bloodshot, Salvation. So this is... Uh, Speaking of Bert- Jason David Frank. <laughs> Bertie asked me, quite frankly, why are you reading a Bloodshot book? <laughs> to, to answer I, Okay, for, for, if there are fans of the universe out there, I'm sorry. I don't know much about the Valiant universe, and I don't really care to. <laughs> right. No, but that's the problem, and I've talked about a Valiant book maybe one other time on this show because of the fact that no one asked me uh, to talk about it, and quite frankly, half the time I do forget to put it on there. Uh, I read Valiant usually, uh, oh, sorry, only in trade. I never read the issues of Valiant. I only read the certain uh, series in trade, and that's the problem I think Valiant has. I've talked about this before on the show. I think maybe the other time I've talked about Valiant. Um. They have good creators. They have some really good artists. They have no fucking interest in their books because they're not an established universe, but yet they try to make it be like a, um, let's say, like a Marvel or DC. That's their problem. I don't honestly think that they have bad books. I think they have some pretty decent fucking books and some really good books. But the fact of the matter is, I don't think Valiant has the audience that obviously a DC or a Marvel would have. Well, no, but I mean, I, okay, Boom Studio. I don't necessarily Boom Studios, IDW, a lot of Image. Obviously, I could name small, weird indie books from those series because, like, it, Valiant straddles the line between right. being an indie an indie publisher and like a mainstream publisher. Right. They're kind of like where Image was in the nineties. Where right. Image was trying to do the big overarching universe thing. Right. And guess what? Most of those books sucked. <laughs> well. <laughs> I'm not saying for- that anything about the quality of Valiant's books. Right. I'm just saying that no. a lot of indie a lot of the indie publishers that try to do their overarching universe thing, it doesn't work as well. Right. I'm honestly surprised that, that Image's Invincible universe has worked out as well as it has. But well, that's mainly because every book that isn't Invincible <laughs> has been canceled. Right, and we'll get to that later. And every spinoff that Invincible had at one point or another did get canceled eventually. Yeah, to be fucking fair. the amazing. Wolf and there Man, was a lot of quality there. Science no, dog. There, and there, well, those were the least of the Invincible books, universe. I actually like that book. No, but not to go no, there. No, but I liked. Book, no, the, no but that's what I'm saying. There's some right, quality. It's just they all that's got what I mean. Canned. 
Right, right, because of the fact there was not enough interest other than the Invincible book. And and to your point, uh, Bernie, you're absolutely right. That is another problem with uh, Valiant, is like you said, they tried to establish themselves based off archetypes for basic characters that everybody knows. Like, let's be honest, Exo Manowar is basically like a Conan with an Iron Man outfit. <laughs> Ninjack is a fucking ninja who basically has some again like some sort of like uh well I can't compare him I guess to somebody but he, he, I'm sure it's there I just can't yeah, think of it Harbinger is the X-Men right um Bloodshot is the Punisher almost Archer like, Armstrong I mean. is any buddy cop movie right so there is definite definite archetypes for their characters that p- they try to latch onto back in the day in also the nineties. So there's a reason Quantum why Woody is still kind of Quantum Woody, but they're also kind of like that, Archer Armstrong thing. Yes, that is also almost like a buddy cop comedy type book. Yeah, absolutely. yeah, just, just we have just like we have two people and we have two people and they are they're at odds with each other in terms of personalities, but when they team up, wacky shit happens. <laughs> right. And to be fair, some of the new Quad and Woody comics that they I, I have read when they launched the new Valiant, I enjoy them. But here's the thing. Here's the thing about Valiant. Uh, you're right. They do try to straddle that line of like, hey, guess what, guys? We have events that are going to lead into other books. And we're, we're going to have actual fucking storylines. And this is a connective universe. And guess what? You can't have people invested in these connected universes if you're not a fucking Spider-Man or an X-Men. Or a fucking, you know what I mean? Like, you yeah. can't. It's hard. It's very fucking hard. And like Bertie just pointed out, they straddle the line between an indie book because they kind of are like an indie publisher. But at the same time, they're doing indie superhero books yeah they're, they're putting very they're putting out fucking these, hard they're putting out these like small putting out these like very small independent books that have that have like you know their own target audience but they're trying to they're trying to have the structure of these fucking multi-million dollar companies right i mean they most recently i think they just approved for the first time they just i think sold the rights to the movies they have a bloodshot movie apparently coming out soon uh but the fact is like that's taking a long fucking time whether it's going to come out or not i don't know but, I mean, they have good people in these books. And the reason I'm talking about Bloodshot Salvation is um, after the first initial Bloodshot series, uh, Jeff Lemire joined uh, the fray, the, the Bloodshot universe. I think he's done a good job. He Before this, he had Bloodshot uh, Reborn. He had Bloodshot USA. And the newest book I'm going to talk about here is Bloodshot Salvation, which is the newest chapter in Jeff Lemire's story of Bloodshot. He left the character after Bloodshot USA. I guess at that time he felt like he had he said all he had to say. And he's recently come back with Bloodshot Salvation, I think, after a year later um, with the company. I mean, there's there's good quality people in here. You got Matt Kent, who's a writer on some books. Uh, you have uh, him. You have, um, fuck, Greg Pak wrote some Valiant. Um, I'm forgetting. There's some other really fucking good writers. Uh, Fred Van Lante. Some good fucking writers and artists that do these books. Anyways, so Bloodshot Salvation is basically, at this point in Bloodshot's story, he has a kid. Um, he's had a kid with his, uh, woman that he hooked up with magic is her name. If you're going to talk about ridiculous names, like we've talked about this episode, like the ice cream man, this, 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 this story is the most ridiculous of the names. So his girlfriend's name is magic, magic. His name's bloodshot. And, (laughs) and, um, there's a, uh, her father, magic's father, who apparently they allude to in this volume. And actually earlier in the bloodshot series, Jeff Lemire wrote, is a disgusting fucking human being of a pedophile. Okay? So, <laughs> he fucking, he, he is in love with any person that comes to him, and his name is Daddy. 
Okay. <laughs> any, any girl he brings up through his ranks in this crazy fucking religious fucking cult that he has going. This guy's name is Daddy, by the way. It's really fucked up. Very disturbing. The name and the fucking cult aspect of it, uh, to be fair. Um, she call, he calls her when they, now they've got their actual life started. Uh, him and Magic and Bloodshot. And now Bloodshot's in a state where he can actually turn, uh, human like. So if you've ever seen Bloodshot in the Valley Universe, he's all white. He has a big red circle on his chest and he's got nanites in them. Nanites are these like little robotic actual like nano machine like, sons. That's right. Like that are working as blood cells for him to basically regenerate him and actually um, heal him and, and give him uh, great powers that, uh, that actually keep him alive and make him a killing machine per se. So, um, so these things uh, kept him going, but now he has uh, 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 things happen in the series prior to this, where that made him um, uh, not the same. He can look human, he can turn human, but at the same time, the nanites are still in his bloodstream and he can still turn into bloodshot if he chooses to. His child, however, at this point, is human. Uh, So uh, they had a child, him and Magic, and he... Uh, one day somebody calls Magic and he catches the tail end of the conversation. He's like, Hey, who's that? Who called you? And she's like, Oh, no, no one, no one. Don't worry about it. It's no one, just a wrong message, whatever. Anyways, he doesn't believe that because they have so many eyes on them constantly. The government that's looking, always constantly looking for bloodshot, this and that. He says, No, I'm gonna look into it. He grabs her phone when she's not around and he, he fucking gets the nice to hack into it. And he finds out that it's this person. He calls the number that called him and he finds out it's her father. Her father and him have had a, a terrible relationship and her have had a terrible relationship that she'd rather not talk to a bloodshot about. And that's why, because it turns out like he's this guy who's like Messiah. Like he fucking, he runs a cult where he, where these people look up to him, worship him. And basically he fathers all these young, youngins basically that comes to like young girls, <laughs> like that comes through. And, uh, and that, Charles Manson. Yes, exactly. And magic essentially was one of those girls. So he learns of this when he brings it up to her. He, she has a certain look in his eye, eye when she mentions her and he understands right away that he did something to her that she can never go back to him or he can never take back. Uh, so Jeff Lemire cleverly through the art and I guess the storytelling does not tell you, he doesn't say like this guy fucking diddled her, you know what I mean? Like he, but at the same time you get the feeling that something bad happened. With Imagine if he people. did like, no, it's really that word. Right. No, no I know. No, 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 just like in like, <laughs> um, like, just like in a very like wholly serious fucking book. It's just like comes the big moment. It's like, he diddled me. <laughs> so I feel like I'm that, laughing. I feel like, it, I feel like <laughs> at that point, funny. Dead Man, uh, the Valiant Universe would basically become Vatican Miracle Examiners, <laughs> where you have priests going, who would have thought a priest would diddle little boys? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Inconceivable. <laughs> yeah. Excuse my word for it, but yeah, he basically molested her or whatever, and, and, and essentially, he basically goes to track this guy down based off this phone call that he talks to him on the phone. And she, she gets him, promised him that, um, he's not going to do nothing. He promises her, but then one day he leaves her a note, leaves early in the morning. It's like, I'm sorry. I couldn't do this anymore. I have to do something about this. I'm going to, you know, go do what I do. Somebody's going to get murdered. Right, exactly. Got to kill the father, father diddler. <laughs> so the father diddler. So he tracks him down. 
he tracks him down and he gets an altercation with him, although he gets outsmarted uh, by some people that he has with him because he also, at the same time, has the government looking for him and they send some people that also have nanites, basically other bloodshots against him during this mission of him going against uh, uh, daddy as they call him. So, um, oh. and, dur- and during this time, the government basically essentially turns off his nanites inside of him. So as he's going up against this old man, and he's going to beat the living shit out of him. He kills all of like m- mostly the people around him. He goes to throw a punch and the nanites, he loses them because this government somehow has still control of him. Uh, the same government that I think that took control of the Harbingers as well in the Valley Universe and, uh, Project Rising Spirit, I think they're called. Yeah. And, yeah. And, um, and yeah. So he loses the Nanites. So this old man's people that are around him basically beat the shit out of him when he most needs to basically stand up against this guy. Uh, he looks weak. And then afterwards, um, he gets them back and Ninjak comes to his salvation. <laughs> Bloodshot salvation. There you go. <laughs> Ninjak comes and saves the day because magic calls him and says like he's in trouble. I don't know where he is. And they they basically take down this whole evil cult in in uh, in the process. Anyways, the main it is an enjoyable story. I did like the whole four or five issues in this trade. One to five. Sorry, Bloodshot Salvation. One to five. I did like it. He does take down um, Daddy <laughs> in, in the end of this. Daddy. Yeah, Daddy Diddler. Um, you do see, you do see some other bloodshot characters with Nanites that are controlled by uh, Pro- um, Project Rising Spirit in this. You see Ninjak. You see even uh, another character, uh, Punk Mambo, which is not a story that I read, but it is a series <laughs> produced by Valiant. Punk, Punk Mambo. What the fuck? Pu- Yes, yeah, it was not a successful character or series as far as I'm concerned. It, her name is Punk Mambo, and she was somebody who basically talked to the dead, essentially, almost like a shadow. Oh, man. so it's a so it is a racist thing. Okay. <laughs> yeah, look, um, looking at it, uh, she is she's a character tied to Shadow Man. Yes, exa- I was just about to say she's like a Shadow Man character. Yes, who. I believe if this if this fucking article if this fucking website is to be believed, his real name is Jack Bonyface. <laughs> Shadow Man or her? Shadow, Shadow Man. Man's name. Yeah, yeah. I never read Jack Shadow Bonyface. Man. Jack Bonyface sounds like a so. bad Bloomhouse horror villain name. <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, I, I believe he anyone? actually has New Orleans types. Yeah. Meanwhile, Punk Mambo is <laughs> John Constantine. But what if he was like really into fucking the Sex Pistols and a woman? That's right. Yeah, you got it. So that's what she looks like in this book. Yeah, just fucking like shaved head either side, giant mohawk, and then two fucking like. Right. Two fucking like things coming off her sideburns, all pink. That's the other only other thing I didn't mention that's in this book. You basically open up with the cold open with the fact that uh, Magic and his now older daughter are basically on the run because the fact that Bloodshot is dead in this future and the story that I just told you, they are telling uh, at the same time about basically what led up to the fact that they're now on the run. And she is now with her child, who also has bloodshot uh, pro- uh, powers. So, so so this is a story all about how their life got flipped, turned upside down. Word. There you go. 
That's right. <laughs> also, <laughs> he was shooting, they were shooting hoops one day. So, <laughs> so weird thing. Just one. Yeah. So, have you guys ever heard of Hyper RPG? No. no. So they're a Twitch channel that does like live streaming of tabletop role playing games. Okay. They do they do ones they do like um, Shadowrun stuff. Uh, they recently did a they recently have been doing a Power Ranger series. That, oh, are they the ones who made it? Uh, made. Uh, no, uh, no. What what they did was they have a they have their own like they have their own like tabletop RPG show with I believe a custom RPG system set in the Valiant conjoined universe. Okay. Which I it's always weird to me just like there's a fucking there is a there's a show on Twitch where people play essentially Dungeons and Dragons that is one of them one of them that's a part of the fucking Valiant Comic Universe and one of them that is an official Canon Power Rangers team. Yeah. Boy, that'd be weird if they show up in Shattered Grid. That would actually be kind of great. What does this have to do with Bloodshot? Well, <laughs> because Bloodshot is part of the Valiant universe. Ah, uh, okay. Gotcha. And there's a and then hype, and there's that fucking show set in the Valiant universe. <laughs> Thank you for that. <laughs> I wasn't. I was just saying. Hey, here's a weird thing I noticed unrelated to what we were talking about. Well, I don't know. We do that time to time. <laughs> Anyways, Bloodshot Salvation. It's not bad. It's good. I enjoy it. Jeff Lemire's a good writer. Louis La Rosa, the artist on this, is fantastic. This guy is one of these artists that's stuck in a fucking book like Bloodshot that no one's reading. <laughs> I can tell you, I can tell you that right, right now. Who's really, really fucking good. The last thing I, th- I remember seeing him on he, is he did um, some of the Garth Ennis Punisher Max series, which was uh, really great. And um, yeah, so Bloodshot Salvation, it's not bad. I mean, obviously there's the Bloodshot Reborn and the Bloodshot USA series that Jeff Lemire wrote leading into this. If I had to say, out of all those, my favorite so far has been the Bloodshot uh, Reborn. Okay. Uh, so, yeah. So, check it out. Uh, Val- Valiant does definitely not get a lot of love, even on this this show. Um, but, you know, they have some good people over there doing some good things. If you have any interest in this at all, or if you like Jeff Lemire's writing, definitely check this out. Because this guy is on a fucking roll. I mean, everything Jeff Lemire, at least for me, is writing at this point has been really pretty, just pretty solid at this point. So, hey, cool. Yeah. Yeah. So, Birdie. All right. I'm going to have to say the last one for last just for talk about good weird since I have to talk about bad weird again. Um, okay. So, let's get uh, Punisher Warzone out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Rebecca, everybody. Sorry about that. No worries. All right. So, let's try this again. So, Punisher Warzone, The Return of Mon Nucci is a miniseries sequel to the original Punisher Warzone series that, I don't, I don't know if Steve Dillon was involved in that or not. I know Garth Ennis was, because it was Garth Ennis who created the whole bloody thing that everyone remembers. <laughs> this is, I think this ties into his Marvel Knights uh, well, so, series. So, Mon Nucci right? originally appeared in the Punisher Volume Mar- 5. Which was, I think, the 12-issue Marvel Knights series that he did. The one that was based off the first fucking Punisher movie, no? Uh, Marvel... Uh, is this Welcome Back, Frank? Is it based off Welcome Back, Frank? Uh, I yes. believe it is, no? Yeah, yeah Welcome Back, right. Frank. Okay. Garth Ennis and Steve Dillon. 
Right, which was the Marvel Knights. It wasn't a Max imprint. That was still within the Marvel Universe. Yeah, nope, like, Marvel Knights. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, but... Okay, there was some weird stuff in this that... You don't expect... Okay, so I'm I'm used to the idea that Garth Ennis books are hyper-violent cartoons. But never was that more apparent than in the plot of this thing. Because, um... Okay, so... The majority of the plot of this is that, uh... This, this whiny, rich, douchebag white guy, um is the son of a criminal called The Elite from the Punisher books, who, considering this series was written in 2003, 2004, is basically an alt-right wet dream. Because yeah, his he, whole... Wasn't like a... He, he was one of the vigilantes that Punisher killed at the end of his thing, right? Yeah, and his whole thing was he goes around killing poor people, black people, Arabs... Because yeah. his whole thing was, you need to take our na- our nation back from all of the non-white rich people. He's like, oh, my neighborhood is being overrun by immigrants and criminals. I must rid them. Yeah. And, <laughs> and his son is basically that, but also a mad scientist and a blogger. Because <laughs> he writes out his thoughts... Like you know, you know that stereotypical like emo blogger thing of no one understands how I feel. Like, yeah, he's he's. There's several scenes in this where he's doing that. It's like the Punisher haunts me, and I will grow to haunt him. I must do this because it's what my father would want. And spoiler: the Punisher caps him at the end. Of course, he fucking does. That's what that's what the elite family is for. They're there to go like, oh, I will take out the Punisher because that's what my. Daddy wants me to do, <laughs> and then just get fucking got. Yeah, but his son, being an elite science, a mad scientist, uh, elites the son of the elite's plan is to clone Mon Nucci and use her as a bait slash tactical service to help him kill the Punisher. Also, but just, apparently, just to make things a bit easier for you, his name's Tim. Okay, I couldn't remember. I knew it was something bland and white boyish, but uh, I, I literally read this again his today. Name is and I, still Chad. Can't, I can't remember his fucking name. I don't fucking care. Call him Brody. Uh, Fuck it. <laughs> he's, a, he's, he's a Brody. Yeah. So, so Brody um, starts cloning Ma Nucci multiple times and using her for tactical knowledge and as a bait to lure out the Punisher. Uh, but. Apparently, he didn't get a good clone because all he could clone was essentially an evil Knievel, armless, uh, it's a person with no arms and no legs. A ballistic gel torso? Yeah, basically. And this, considering how much effort he he must have gone to to make all these clones... He keeps either killing them himself or putting them in situations where the Punisher kills him, kills them, <laughs> to the point where the clones are aware of this, and when they get taken out of situations where they would imminently die, they're like, "Oh, thank God." <laughs> wow, yeah, that's. And you're saying Brody's supposed to be intelligent? Yeah, D- I mean naive because. 
he apparently was surprised that if he shot at the Punisher and missed, the Punisher would know where he likely shot from and shoot at him. <laughs> like, there's... I I know that there is, like, the difference between, like, you know, being, you know, intellectually intelligent and being, like, you know, common sense intelligent. But I feel like unless you are, like, a savant, there's, a like, a base floor of common sense you have. You, you would assume. Yeah, like, if you are smart enough to clone a person... You'd be able to figure out, oh, if I choose somebody, they'll know where I'm shooting from. Or like, hey, it or like I'm assuming that at some point like he like he's playing gets fucking derailed because like Manucci outsmarts him. No. Oh wow, that okay, actually. I was a little surprised because given that given that like he is cloning multiple versions of her for her tactical mind or whatever. <laughs> I would assume that it would be, oh, yeah, I'm cloning this person who has this incredible tactical mind. What? They betrayed me? How was that possible? Yeah, no, nothing that smart. I know, I know I, historically. I don't know, I don't know if any of the, uh, like, I remember, as insane as it was, the Barracuda miniseries that was off of Punisher Warzone that Garth Ennis does, I thought was smarter than this. Here's <laughs> because, the thing. Because, yeah, like, no. for all the, all the trouble of cloning all these Manucci clones... The only purpose it seems to be, have, aside from baiting the Punisher, is providing evidence of Monucci's return so that the Brody can enlist the mob that she used to run to help him kill the Punisher. <laughs> yeah. What I was going to say is, I'm a fan of Ennis in general, and I'm a fan of his Punisher stuff, but his prime Punisher stuff was certain moments of Welcome Back, Frank, and overall, not the Marvel Knights Punisher whatsoever, the Punisher Max stuff, because he was actually able to bring a mature content to that as opposed to this, where he just went straight up silly and ridiculous at times. Oh no, this is... This this is a Punisher cartoon. This is more cartoonish than the actual Warzone movie. Because, like... There's oh, also a side. Oh, that a, movie. <laughs> that movie. There's a side plot in this that is completely <laughs> most, that is mostly pointless. Right. But led to some of the funniest moments where this lesbian cop uh, is assigned as the. She's apparently someone who's been assigned as the task force runner among the NYPD for dealing with the Punisher multiple times right. to the point where she's just yep. burned out by it. But she's like involved in this relationship and is such a jealous bitch that the moment she meets this other guy that is being nice to her girlfriend, she uses her police powers to pull him over, break his taillight, and kick him in the balls repeatedly to try to scare him away. <laughs> that just sounds like and, NYPD. That just sounds like NYPD yeah. behavior to me. Yeah. And her last action in the book after, like, so her being involved in the Punisher with uh, the Punisher with plot, she goes looking for mobsters because she figures if she finds mobsters, she'll find the Punisher. It's and smart choice. Logically, <laughs> yeah, right. that's that's a fair, <laughs> fair assumption, sure. And she eventually does, but um, it's unfortunate timing because she shows up just as the Punisher is starting his assault against all the mobsters that were sent to kill him. So she's. She knows she could uh, handcuff and cap the Punisher if she needs to, but she knows if she does that, she has to fight 
three dozen mobsters, heavily armed mobsters alone without the Punisher's stupid capability of I will not die. Yeah, without the Punisher's protagonist powers. Yeah. So, in, in, in the midst of the fight, she gets lit on fire by a flamethrower, so she has to take her clothes off so she doesn't burn. So there's just this one shot at towards the end of the fight where she comes out in just her bra and panties shooting mobsters alongside the Punisher. And unfortunately, that's all over the evening news. So she loses her job, goes to try to explain it to her girlfriend who finds out and who's, who leaves her because she found out from other people how she's reacted to other people who've shown even remote interest in her. So the cop's last act in the book is to shoot a poodle that was peeing on her car. Mm. Well, I'm really yeah. glad she was in there. She really added a lot to the story. <laughs> yeah. No. I mean, I mean, don't get me wrong. Garth Ennis does get ridiculous a lot of the fucking time in his stories, but there usually is essentially a point at the end, but I will admit that this is not his proudest moment in that sense with the whole Manucci bullshit. He even kind of wastes Steve Dillon. Because mm. Dylan is a good artist. Sure. But he's there's nothing but like I don't know, the way he draws the Punisher in this is too blocky. I mean and, this is post preacher. You know what I mean? Like yeah. <laughs> this is this is this is post fucking preacher. But I, no, that's I, the I, thing. Classic. He looked, like, like, <laughs> like considering when this book was made, the he Punisher in this better. looks too much like a nineties Punisher, not right. like the two thousands Punisher. Considering when this looks, book was made, why was this book made? Well, I don't know. <laughs> I think here's the thing, though. I, I, I have a question quickly for both of you. It, it somewhat has to do with your evaluation of this book. Have ne- have either of you ever read his run on Hitman for DC Comics? What book? A uh, Hitman? Hit- uh, no, I haven't Hitman. read Hitman. Have you, Bertie? Have you read any Hitman? Hitman. Uh, Probably not. No. Sounds like that is that is a great fucking comic that you guys should check out at some point. It's a he's a DC hero that's basically the Punisher for DC. Oh right, I've heard of this book. I've just yeah. never read it. It's spun no, out of it, Bloodlines. It's excellent. It is actually a terrible fucking event. Uh, it's the only thing that fucking spun out of that event that was probably decent and actually went on for about 60, 70 issues. The only it's thing very- I remember happening from the Bloodlines event, I think the only like Bloodlines related book I read was. A Legion of Superheroes tie-in where okay. a skateboarder from the past got the ability to control people's minds. Okay. I I never read that, but And that was it. S- it was yeah. just it, blood yeah, that was his fucking that was the whole thing. As he goes to the future, see like meets the fucking Legion, and the and he just like, yo, take a tits out. Right. Then they do. <laughs> so Bloodlines basically he was writing D- the demon book like Etrigan the demon Garth Ennis was writing the demon book prior to Bloodlines happening and then when Bloodlines happened I believe it was in the annual of the demon book that Hitman first appeared and then spun out into his first series and it's all collected in a bunch of seven trades I think right now some may be out of print it's really really fucking good though. It's it is prime Garth Ennis at the time where he didn't want to write superheroes prior to the boys <laughs> for DC. Um yeah. and there's DC characters that show up. No, but there's DC characters that show up and interact with this hitman. No, character. no, I just I didn't react to that. I just reacted to the boys. Yeah, the boys. Yeah, the boys okay, is fair a, enough. The boys enough. is yeah. 
Yeah, listen, I read all of the boys. Same here. Yeah, but it is, it's, it's very, it it could never exist today. Let's say that. Like, (laughs) with at least how PC people are, like, that is a series that is very fucked up and very, yeah, yeah, bad to women, the whole thing. Anyways, um, yeah. Uh, but that, but this series, Hitman, he had to watch it because it was a DC comic. It wasn't like a Max or nothing like this, but it's a very, very fucking good series. If you guys haven't checked it out, I'd suggest you do it at some point. I really, really would love that series. Anyways, sorry. I know I went on and on, but go ahead. <laughs> I'm, I'm just curious what the point of bringing that up was. It was just because you're talking because about Hitman is like his DC Punisher prior drunk. to him doing Punisher. That too. Okay. I mean, <laughs> okay, boy- so. Aside from Preacher, I have not really read a Garth Ennis book that I was a huge fan of. I think his particular brand of weird is not the kind of weird that I go for personally. Jimmy's Bastards. I love Jimmy's Bastards. I have. I love Garth that Ennis. Yet. That's I why I talk. went on and on. That's that's why. Okay. Jimmy's <laughs> Bastards is an aftershock book. It's great. Yeah, I. I will talk about a type of weird I'm a more fan of later, but this was... I'm, I'm getting the impression from what you guys are saying that even by the standards of uh, Punisher Warzone and the books at the time, this was... I read the miniseries because I was hoping I would be able to get something... get why people like Garth Ennis's Punisher stuff from just like a small miniseries, and apparently this was not the one no, to no. do it with. You need to read Punisher Max. Mm-hmm. Punisher Max is the Garth Ennis that people enjoy. Not yeah, but then I have to read like 20, 30 issues. <laughs> no, there's actually like 60 issues I think of Punisher Max. This Punisher, the Marvel Knight series is like 30 issues, I think, but the Punisher Max stuff is like 50 issues easy, I think. So yeah, uh, Minus the fact that Steve Dillon's a good artist, even if he's kind of wasted here. That's, bleh. This is really dumb. <laughs> yeah. All right, then. So, uh, moving on. The Wildstorm update. Nice. So, reading the Wildstorm. I want something to happen. You know what I want to happen? Gen 13. Well, that too. But I want <laughs> something to happen. Because I'm 11 issues in. Of a think twelve issue series, and it still feels like they're setting stuff up. Oh, cool! The series is going to be a trailer for something that never happens. You know, Warren Ellis is writing this, right? Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> but still, yeah, Warren Ellis can make something happen. Yeah, if he wants to. If he wants to, there you go. There's the key. <laughs> this doesn't feel like he wants to. Yeah. Like we. Like, Voodoo was introduced in fucking, I think, like, issue one. She still hasn't done anything. Which is weird, because he wrote Voodoo when she was originally introduced in the 90s. <laughs> yeah. It's super fucking weird. Like, fucking uh, Engineer, or whatever the fuck, uh, the jet plane lady. She showed oh, up. right, yeah. Yeah, she showed up. First issue. Saved a dude by turning into a fucking jet plane. Then stayed in a room for three issues. Then went to a different room and stayed there for the next seven. She didn't have enough chairs. <laughs> yeah, like all of it is just like discussing what happens. This is is a basically just it's basically this book that's supposed to be like the introduction to Wildstorm and the fucking new all the new hot shit. This book is basically just two corporations having like a corporate war with each other. 
Like, mm. like issue 11, a, b- a big chunk of it is A, explaining the backstory as to why these two companies hate each other, and B, having one corporation talk to their CEO about implementing a strategy to siphon information from their rival company without that rival company knowing. See, I remember when you talked about this book earlier on, at that point, at least it was early on in the st- series, you quite enjoyed it from what I remember. I read yeah, the first at the, at the trade, the first six cool. issues. It, like, it, like had some no, cool stuff no. in it. Fucking Michael Cray yeah. was there. He was cool. Uh, he has he, his own series now, which is actually not bad. He, I, he, he fucking he fights serial killer versions of the DC <laughs> superheroes. Yeah, he, he showed up in this, saw the, like, hey, I got this fucking alien shit in me. What the hell is that? Goes to his therapist, finds out he has cancer, and then never shows up again. Yeah, because he can touch somebody and it just disintegrate like on fire. I think it's yeah. Um, the okay. Wildcats, the fucking fucking uh, Grifter or whatever the fuck his name is. With the mask. He still hasn't done anything. Yeah, I know. He showed up in like one fucking issue and they teased him. Did he he ever show up again? He showed up in every issue since he showed up, but he hasn't done anything. That's He's been standing around a coffee table with the fucking like magic space girl and his buddy. Talking about what he will eventually do. Yeah, that's kind of bullshit then. Yeah, it's a bad sign when Grifter does more in a mask in a tiny yeah. book to the mask <laughs> than in his own book. I like Grifter, so that's yeah. That's yeah, maybe, maybe when this maybe when this finally ends and people are allowed to like write Wildstorm books, yeah. he'll do something. Uh, okay, or if, if it doesn't. Sorry, I was just gonna say the only Wildstorm book I really care about is Gen thirteen, and Gen thirteen has been mostly screwed over by DC and Wildstorm since J. Scott Campbell left the book. So. Yeah. Yeah, fucking Fairchild showed up in New 52, and then everyone died and disappeared. You remember who wrote uh, that stripper book that you just said her name? What was her name? Uh, Voodoo? Voodoo? At the start of the New 52. Do you remember the writer of that? Uh, Kyle Higgins? Nope. Ron fucking Mars. <laughs> who? That's right. <laughs> I'm just saying. That's, that's, that's the last place they fucking left these characters ah <laughs> uh, it's too bad uh so you think it's not good you you keep seeming that you seem to be keep reading it here like, yeah I keep it reading not, it because something has to happen eventually right yeah 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 i'm gonna Dead pick Man, up the next trade dead man's getting blue balled by a book that's about to end and he's been getting blue blue balled for 11 issues he wants to see it through to the end hoping to bust a nut but <laughs> <laughs> Well, listen, well, I'll, get to the, I'll get to the end. My nuts will be three times the size and fucking hurt, and then I'll just die. With Warren Ellis, that could go either way, to be honest. <laughs> you could yeah. bust a nut at the end of that. I think it's the best thing ever. Well, look at this, <laughs> this constructed storytelling. Or you could get to the end and be like, well, that was a thing. So looking at Ron <laughs> Mars's bibliography, he's mainly done crossover books with between DC Comics and Dark Horse. Oh, and he also did Witchblade, didn't he? And he wrote a good chunk of Witchblade. That's right. Yeah. Uh, 70 issues from 2004 to Does 2011. Does anyone actually write Witchblade? Yeah. Ron Mars, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah you, like, you know what I mean. Yeah, 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 I, know yeah mean. I do. I but do. <laughs> Witchblade did relaunch recently with an all-female creative team. Yeah, yeah no but tits. that's but that's but that's kind of like when um, Gail Simone was brought in to write Red Sonia. Right, it's like right. you know how that how well that went over. That, that's <laughs> nice and all, but 
<laughs> oh, or the Vampirella relaunch that just yeah, happened. Vampirella oh, she's got clothes on. Just anybody, just any dynamite character. <laughs> There's no tits. What? <laughs> Throw this out. Remember Glory? Yes, that was an image character. Oh, God. It's, uh, are, yeah. we talking the, are we talking That's the Rob Glory character. or the original Glory? <laughs> the Rob Liefeld In glory? the context of what we were just talking about. Tits galore? <laughs> yeah, t- tits galore to... I don't know a fucking White Walker. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what. Yeah. I was like, I don't. I never read the original Glory. I just read the relaunch, and I was like, "What Same. the hell is this?" Dude, even the people who bought the original Glory didn't read it. <laughs> no, I, I'm with Bertie. I only read the They're relaunch just, that they, they tried. They, to they do. bought it because you're not allowed to masturbate in a bookstore. I liked Profit, so I was like, "Hey, let's try out this Glory." Nah, nah, son. I, li- I find this hilarious. Ron Mars. I, 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 this is something that I kind of wish is a thing because it still sounds kind of hilarious. Ron, Ron Mars apparently wrote a series of books for DC called Tangent Comics. <laughs> like, literally called Tangent Comics. Yeah, I believe Ugh. those... Aren't those the ones where they mashed up, like, DC or Marvel concepts? That's or Amalgam, like that? I think. No, Amalgam was a thing, but I think Tangent somewhere... At the, oh, but I he think- did write DC versus Marvel 1 and 2. Right. Didn't he also write uh, some sort of Green Lantern? Didn't he write the? Um, uh, didn't Ron? Isn't Ron? Uh, Mars? He's written a lot of Green Lantern stuff. Uh, yeah. I don't know what you're talking about specifically, but um, yeah. And according to this, uh, Tangent Universe uh, was lasted for a year and was uh, based on ideas from Dan Jurgens about different iterations yeah. of famous DC names. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and Lynn Carr would love this. He also wrote Countdown Presents, The Search for Ray Palmer. Ah, fuck. <laughs> there you go. Good old Adam. <laughs> Welcome to pain. Anyways, are we moving on here? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, the, Wild Storm had, the Wild Storm started off strong and hasn't, hasn't built any momentum or done anything with the momentum it already had. Yeah. I'm unless, sorry, somehow, I, unless it all climaxes of one issue, Dead Man, I think, is gonna be disappointed. <laughs> no, I'm just I'm just imagining like going into issue twelve and it's just like a backdoor pilot issue for fucking Gen thirteen. Just like yeah. just reading it and all of a sudden like fucking grunge or whatever the hell the dude's name was who could steal powers is like, what the fuck is this thing? <laughs> well, I, I do know that Warren Ellis when they launched this said he I think he has a twenty four issue plot laid out. Fuck me. So you're only about halfway if nothing has happened. That's Fuck. So, God I'm going to continue reading it. I like it, but I, I get I haven't read the second half like you did. Uh. So. <laughs> Anyways, okay. Do anything. So, <laughs> uh, should I talk about the one I don't really have much to say about right now? It's yeah, sure. On, okay. I'll save Invisible for last. Oh, spoiler. Gideon Falls. It's the Jeff Lemire Hour. I'm going to talk about another Jeff Lemire book here. Well, I mean, look, Nico, we could potentially just do a Jack, Jeff Lemire slot machine and still have like several yeah. dozen books. Yeah, to pick just from. we just fucking <laughs> just sit down. Like, hey, welcome to the Jeff Lemire episode. All the things yeah. to make you say, Jeff Lemire. Honestly, he he draws and writes about six books a month. So six. That's, that's a conservative estimate. Yeah, it it's is, like, oh, it what is. did he hurt his wrist? Yeah. Um, so this Gideon Falls. Uh, Gideon Falls is a book that he's doing with Andrea Sorrentino, and you might know Andrea Sorrentino from his work last seen on uh, Old Man uh, Logan. He he did some of the art on the issues of Old Man Logan with Jeff Lemire. 
Uh, he as well did the Secret Wars Old Man Logan tie-in with Bendis, and he also did a uh, Green Arrow series during the New 52 with uh, Just a Mirror. Uh, and I Vampire at the start of the New Fifty Two, so he's got he's got a lot of work uh, that I've been I've read over the few last few years. I think he also did some Civil War, which I didn't read. Uh, he was one of the artists that joined that fucking event, but I didn't bother with that shit. Uh, <laughs> um, this is a good first issue. It's oversized. Uh, his art. If you've ever seen Andrea Sorrentino's art, it's very, I would say, like, dark and moody. Like, it's kind of like... Who? It, it's not... Okay, so, you know how, like, Mignola plays a lot with the with the uh, uh, blacks in his art? Or, like, the moodiness, the dark... Heavy shading. Yes. So, I would say he's part of the same ilk, but not in the same sense that he basically opts out for drawing things like Mignola does. So, like, Mignola has a way of, of balancing the fact that he's going to do shadows in the picture that are basically going in his illustrations that are basically going to make up for the things that are missing from it. This artist does not have that. It's all very uh, present, but at the same time, he definitely has that same essence, I would say, in terms of, like, how dark and... Uh, uh, moody his art looks in that sense if that makes any sense at all <laughs> but in this in this particular series Gideon Falls in the first issue he has a way of showing his art and it's almost as like if he took a needle and actually went over the actual artwork to the point where, like, lines, white lines, uh, grainy fucking lines are showing all over his art. Um, I mean, if you guys want to take a look, if you want to uh, even take a moment to Google, like, Gideon Falls artwork by Andrea Sorrentino, it's very, it's weird. It's a very hard thing to describe. Like, but he does something in this issue that he's never done that I've seen in his art, where, like, he drew the picture, he did the art digitally or whatever the fuck he did. He did the he did the image, and then there's a graininess of some sort of a scratchy through li- a through line between all of the art. It's very fucking weird and hard to describe, but it's very apparent if you've ever seen this artist before. And it's very I like it. I like it a lot. I don't know what the fuck he's doing with the art in this, but I really. Oh, really he worked on it. Old Man Logan. Yep. Yeah, that's what I was mentioning at the start. He did work on the Old Man Logan with Jeff Lemire prior to this. Oh yeah, I could well. I could totally see the Old Man Logan in this. Yeah, but do you? See, I don't know if you're looking up some of the art from Gideon Falls in particular, but do you see what I mean about the graininess and like the th- like the? Yeah, it's <laughs> like it's like there was a. It's like it's, it's, it, looks like it looks like the artwork. Like, it looks like the artwork itself was like was like you know imposed on this from a separate page, but it didn't go over properly. Yeah, it's very different and strange and i've never or, or seen like, it really or like before. when they were or like when they were printing it like the like they ran it a toner at the right at like the right time so the the, yes. like the shading was all fucked up yeah that's a great way of explaining it. yeah absolutely it's it, and i don't know if that's him or the colorist that decided to do that in this but for whatever reason his art looks a little different from everything he's done because of that little little uh detail and i like it i really dig it anyways this is about also the covers are fucking sick yeah, yeah, I they're mean, the, insanely detailed and weird. I mean, the one cover that I'm looking at right now is the Gideon Falls is a overview. Oh, fuck, uh, he worked of, on Secret Empire with Nick Spencer. 
yeah, that's yeah, the one. All, I, yeah, I said the, Civil War. And then all, all the covers Empire. for Gideon Falls uh, going forward are going to be just like overhead shots of like basically maps that are that like have a detail like a person's face built into it. Yeah, yeah, that's what it's this all first issue. Cool. That's the one I have as well. And if you haven't read this yet, uh, Dead Man or, or even Birdie, I, I, like this is this is a good series so far. The first issue, and the second issue hasn't come out yet. I think it's coming out next week, but very very good first issue. Um, it does have a horror elements to it. It is definitely a story that Jeff Lemire at the end of this issue actually explains in a one or two page essay. He actually explains that he had this idea for several years now. Um, he 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 worked with uh, uh, Andrea Sorrentino back uh, in 2015 on uh, a Green Arrow and then Old Man Logan. Uh, uh, oh, sorry, two years ago. Two, so back in 2013, he worked with him at Green Arrow, and then 2015 worked with him at Old Man Logan. And he talked to him about what you, he really wanted to do, what he was into. So he poached him for Marvel at that point and said, uh, "You know, I'd like to do a horror comic." And Jeff Lemire's like, "Well, I've never released." did a straight up horror comic that would be interesting and Jeff Lemire went to his a uh his old sketchbooks and he seen a character that he drew when he first moved from Toronto from a small town uh it, like Essex County like one of the first books that he got noticed for a small town Canada type book that he did and when he first moved to Toronto he seen um homeless people or somebody rooting through the trash which is something that is very common in Toronto a big city there's a lot of homeless people so he 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 went through with his sketchbook and he sketched a weird looking man back then SARS maybe was a big thing he said he had a mask on and at that time there was a lot of people walking around with masks on Asian or not uh, at that time and he he sketched this guy a peculiar person rooting through the trash with a mask on and he is the main character in this first issue of Gideon Falls he said he kept going back to this character he called him Norden he's a big fan of the show um, uh, what the fuck is that called that show um, the, the show about the small town with the um, serial killer um, what the fuck? Help me out here, guys. You probably know it. The yeah, no, I don't. My... <sighs> like small town serial killer. That is like seven shows I can think of. Um, it's by that very famous director, uh, Lynch. Um, oh, oh, Twin, Twin Peaks. Peaks. Yes, thank you. Jeff Lemire said he's a big fan of the show Twin Peaks, and this is basically he took a bit of Twin Peaks, a a bit of what he it's had. Not nearly enough coffee, then. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what did you say? Not nearly enough coffee. Yes. Twin Peaks jokes. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So he took a bit of Twin Peaks. He took a bit of um, what he had in his sketchbooks. And he basically came up with the story of Gideon Falls, which in this first issue focuses on two storylines. One, uh, the character Norton, who's rooting through the trash, finds a piece of like wood or, or some sort of fiber uh, not fiber, uh, some sort of like uh, element that he finds in the trash. He puts it in a jar, takes it back to his home, and he's got all these fucking jars full of different splinters or splints and different types of materials that he found in the trash that he believes is going to lead him to some sort of revelation about something that's happen happening in Gideon Falls. Like he's he's down a rabbit hole and he's ex- investigating all these connections that he feels that are in the town that are all connected somehow. 
And then he basically, the other character you, you meet in this is uh, a priest that is moving to Gideon Falls for some some reason. He did something in his old town, and he was told to come to this town because he can start uh, new, start fresh, and and establish a new uh, life for himself as the priest in this town. So they don't really tell you what exactly he did in this other town as of yet, but he is a priest. Um, so we don't know yet, but he does come to this town. He meets like a little old church biddy who basically is like, oh, you know, welcome to the town. I'll help you with everything out in the church. I'll do this for you. I'll do that for you. I'm here to help you, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, no, you know, I'd rather be on my own. I, I'm going to do my own thing. Don't worry about me, blah, blah, blah. And he doesn't want her help. Anyways, by the end of this issue, he finds her dead in a fucking field by his church. It was stabbed through the fucking chest. And that's basically what sparks up some of the weird occurrences that are happening in this town, along with Norden, the guy who is rooting through the trash that believes everything is connected and he's having weird visions. So a lot of fucking weird shit is happening in this first issue that is unexplained, but it's definitely got me interested. And this is, yet again, another fucking great Jeff Lemire series, I think, so far. He's off to a great start with Andrea Sorrentino. Gideon Falls. If you're a fan, I would say of Twin Peaks, although I haven't ever seen the whole series. I've only seen a few episodes. Uh, he says this is a this is basically his Twin Peaks in a sense. Again, he's going back to a town with a, a weird occurrence, uh, some murders going on. Uh, so I believe that's where he's getting that from. Uh, but yeah, it's very very good. Gideon Falls. It's by Image Comics. Uh, very very good first issue. All righty then, ready. Yeah. All right. Well, surprisingly, the discussion. You wake up. The, yeah. No, I was. Uh, Fall asleep during my discussion? Huh? <laughs> Maybe a little bit. Uh, but unfortunately, time gone. I was just saying that. Um, so, strangely, uh, the previous discussions have set me up for talking about this thing kind of perfectly. So I read a Warren Ellis mini series called Two Step. Oh uh, yeah, Amanda Connor. Yeah, drawn, drawn by Amanda Connor and Jimmy Palmiotti. And this is weird, but more the fun kind of weird. <laughs> because the basic premise of this is that a crazy cam girl... If Do I need to explain that concept to you, Nico? Do you know what a cam girl is? I do. Didn't even bother asking okay. me if I know what it is, just assumed. <laughs> I know what a cam girl is. I, I've read this book too, so yeah, well, I assume, Dead Man's so jaded. I think he can figure out even if I don't say anything. <laughs> but uh, a cam girl is wandering around Bollywood in Little Bollywood in London and is bored until she comes across um, a gangster chasing a guy who has a trumpet case, and she's like, "Oh, this should be fun." <laughs> Uh, for reference, before um, we saw said uh, per- uh, gangster person sitting on top of a, a building reading essentially, uh, fu- not feng shui, uh, what's the term? Taoism. Feng shui. So he's, yeah, he's looking for enlightenment. Uh, so she chases him down, tries to figure out what's going on. Uh, she's like... Oh, so did you get that thing back? You so eventually he catches the guy, and she's like, "Oh, did you get that thing back? You were stealing. He stole from you." He's like, "No, I'm stealing this from him." Because the the guy in question is, uh, <laughs> like a, a Douglas Adams character, essentially, because 
He's a mobster who just goes with the flow. He's a holistic criminal? Yeah. Like, the way he explains it, he's like, I figure eventually I'll get what I want, and because of that, I don't really work that well with eight with within any organization. So I'm a gangst I'm a gangster for hire, and eventually I just sort of get what I want. Yeah, wow, he's totally a holistic criminal. <laughs> this guy walks around, gets hired to do a thing, then just walks away and just like leaves when he needs to and gets when he wants all Jesus Christ. He's a Douglas. He's a fucking Damn it. To be to be fair, I can see Warren Ellis being a fan of Douglas Adams. <laughs> well, no, he's a criminal. <laughs> yeah. He's closer to Bart. Yeah. But anyway, um so the thing that the holistic detective is stealing uh from them is a mechanical penis. Hmm. That is so big, it had to be in a trumpet case. So, because of that weirdness, uh, the gangster who wanted the mechanical penis uh, sends his um, uh, LMD gangster squad to kill them. And I say LMDs because at one point when they were having a gunfight in cars and... The holistic criminal hands the cam girl his side gun so she can defend herself. She shoots him in the pe- one of the LMDs in the penis. Naturally. Like, oh, yeah, it's like, oh, you really shouldn't do that. It's like, why? Is it won't hurt? No, it hurts men too, but uh, he's an LMD, and uh, if you shoot an LMD in the penis, he explodes. Sure. <laughs> should I read this? I feel like I should read this. Uh, like it, would, it wouldn't take you very long. It's only three issues, like 80 pages. Yeah, but it's like so a matter a, of like hunting it down. Um, okay, I got it for three bucks on Comicsology. Never mind then. <laughs> yeah, and looking, it's a looking at it, on yeah, Looking at it, every image I see is like really bad scans of it or like pictures of the three fucking books themselves. So I assumed that this was a book that was like out of print and hard to find. Oh. No, no, definitely not true. And so, yeah, then just weird shit happens. Like, um, a cam girl in the next issue goes to, um, a London citywide, uh, uh, Renfest, which involves artificially freezing the Thames to sim- to simulate the one time it happened hundreds of years ago. Well, at the same time, the holistic criminal is reading from his Taoism book while two robots fuck in the river. Uh, okay. <laughs> uh, so, but the, the criminal who lost his penis is still upset. So um, he sends um, a Deliverance-style big boy after them who has cybernetic implants uh so that he sees everything as cars because he only wants to fuck cars. You got a purdy muffler. Yeah, basically. To the point where the cam girl figures this out and uses her own um, tech, tech knowledge and Wi-Fi abilities to hack his, his, um, hack his feed so that they look like people. 
I wish I was like, ew. No. Come on, girl. Squeal like a beetle. <laughs> yeah. And so it ends with a holistic detective slash cam girl jumping out of a 20-story building on a um, on an anti-grav moped. Sorry. Stupid dogs are having a fight. Now uh, the only now just running through my head, I just have dueling banjos, but with car horns. <laughs> that wouldn't, to be fair, that wouldn't be the weird, the most inappropriate thing to happen with this because it's. It's like one of them in like some weird, like old, like rusted down jalopy car. The other one in like the other one in just like a fucking Prius. Yeah. But yeah, this is like one. I bought a whole bunch of um, what you call it? Uh, uh, hello. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I thought thought you lost it for a sec. Uh, I this is one of a whole bunch of uh, Warren Ellis Wildstorm miniseries I bought because he's apparently worked with a lot of great artists. Uh, I got I got stuck deciding which of the three I wanted to talk about on this book because it was in terms of the artist I had to talk about. It was either Amanda Connor or Jimmy Palmiotti or Humberto Ramos or James oh. Williams the third. Oh. <laughs> wow, that is that is a fucking what? stable. What book did he work with James Williams the third on? Uh, it was Desolation Jones. Oh yes, that's right. That is a Wildstorm book. Fuck, I forgot about that book. Yeah. Okay. Huh. So yeah. Um, for a $3.80 page, three-issue miniseries, this is, this is Warren Ellis at, like, okay, so Warren Ellis can do serious plot lines if he wants to. One of my favorite Marvel books when I was getting into comics was his run on next the Thunderbolts. Wave. Oh, they're going to say Next Wave. That's hilarious. Well, no, I've read Next Wave, too. That's no, also I know. You talked about it. That's great. Yeah, yeah, but, like, one of my favorite ongoing series was his sure. run on the Thunderbolts. That was good, um, too, yeah. But yeah, so but I think he works best when he's not. If he's going to go weird, I think if he goes weird, it should be a short series. It shouldn't be a like a long ongoing. Although to be fair, if he's going serious, he should go long form. If he's going weird, he should go short form. I guess that's why uh, Next Wave works as a twelve issue mini, and based on what Dead Man's saying, the Wild Storm isn't. Yeah, because Next Wave I think was only twelve issues. Yeah. Next yeah. wave, agents of hate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was fun. All right. So yeah, uh, this is my favorite book of the night, and like you said, uh, I got I've got um, Amanda Connor and Jimmy Pagliotti done. Now I have to do Humberto Ramos and J.H. Williams the third. Yeah. <laughs> Desolation Jones is good too. Who, who what did who did Humberto do? Uh, DV eight. I never read that one. Okay, mm. huh. might do that one next since. If, yeah. I, if I do J, if I do James Williams the third next, it'll just be unfair. Ah, <laughs> uh, uh, you remember you talked about Promethea, and I said I'm going to start start reading Promethea. I actually started reading Tom Strong uh, in in light of the terrifics appearance of him in the first issue. Hmm. Um, that's pretty good too. I'm going to go back and probably circle back to Promethea, but Tom Strong is decent as well. Yeah, which. Having read Terrifics, I'm curious how Tom Strong is going to feature in that. But yeah, same. I read the first two trades of him, and uh, you know, it's I don't I know mean, how. But he's... The, the biggest sin of Terrifics at this point is that they made Plastic Man not funny. 
but uh, hmm. and okay, that's that's a, no, that's not what I'm talking about. So yeah, Dead Man. I think if you are a fan of Douglas Jones, not Douglas Jones, Douglas, Douglas Adams. Adams. I don't know why. I was just talking about Desolation Jones. If you're a fan of Douglas Adams style, uh, weird, quirky comedy type stuff, I think you would like Two Step. And it's not like it would take you long to read. Okay. So then, moving on to my next book. Final book, uh, Motherlands. So this is a new book from Cy Spurrier. And it is about... Cy Spurrier. Why do I know that name? Okay, so... uh, the backstory for you this book. Talking. I'll, I'll, yeah, so the backstory for this book is that at some point in Earth's history, um, we made first contact, but not with aliens, with alternate dimensions. Oh, six gun gorilla guy. Got it. Okay. Yeah, and so then and so then pretty much from there, the multiverse just exploded. So that every single so that every single alternate universe could interact with every other inter- alternate universe. All of them, all of them sharing technology and culture and stuff, so that all of existence became this clusterfuck of just insanity. Somewhere along the way, while well, during that happening, um, there needed there came the need to have people essentially bounty hunters hunt down criminals. Okay, and they turned it into like a game and or and a show and stuff. Um, our main character, whose name escapes me at the moment. Her mom was a was famous for this. She was one of these guys. Uh, they call them receivers, I believe. And she had a show called Troll Hunters, where she would essentially just like go around on missions trying to hunt people down for TV. But she did it usually with her tits out. Okay. Obviously, this did not exactly lead to the best growing up life for this child. So she grew yeah, up. Yeah, she became she became the pro. Not the pro. Uh, she she is a receiver too, but anybody mentions her mom, she just goes fucking crazy. Or or like it's like a sore spot for her. Uh, at this point, uh, she at like the beginning of this issue, she's hunting down a dude, uh, and he like takes a hostage, and then he's like, "Wait a minute, I know you. I know your last name. Is your mom that fucking bitch? Like, oh dude, great, she fucking got her tits out when she arrested me, and he had a hostage, so she shoots the hostage." And then beats the fuck out of him, takes his pants off, and drags him back to the fucking place he was going naked. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Earlier on in her childhood, uh, her dad and brother just left. Didn't take her with them because I guess they didn't like her. Okay. But yeah, and so she spends, uh, so as she's going out on these missions and stuff, she's wearing this giant fucking suit. That serves as like that serves as like a tracking thing to track uh like extra dimensional travel, so she can like piggyback off dudes' signals and to, and like land exactly where they land in, in alternate realities. That's all like that. This is basically just like this really simple but really massive sci-fi concept. Okay. And I and it's simple enough that I kind of. That it's simple enough that it doesn't need a whole lot of explanation, but it's like, but it's like big enough that it has almost infinite potential, and I kind of like it. It is like, like by, by the end of it, it is by the end of it. Uh, the guy that she, the guy that the main character was dragging in, uh, I'm actually going to try to okay, Tabitha. Tabitha Tuback is her name. 
Okay. That's her main character. Uh, she is. Yeah. After she, after she catches the guy and brings him back in, uh, he gets his mind probed in one of like the worst ways possible. Like when, when we see him again, he's just in a chair with like a fucking cap on. It's drilling into his brain. and He's just screaming. Uh, but it turns out he has information about the location of her brother, who is currently the most wanted man in all of reality. So what happens is she, when when she finds this out, she goes and gets her mother, who is living in a retirement community, uh, in a mechanical, in like a robotic wheelchair, and it's going to be her and her mom trying to hunt down her brother hmm. across different dimensions. And her mother is, and her mother is like a, she's an aging like fifty showbiz mom. Ah, uh, I see. So kind of jaded, burned out, and a bit of a drinker. Oh, more than a bit. Okay. <laughs> I'm assuming. When, when we see her, all she's doing is smoking. But, like, she's smoking like a person who drinks. Yeah. That, that probably doesn't make any sense, but that's what, it's, that's what it looks like to me. Oh, also her she's, brother has, like, deer antlers. Sure, whatever. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the thing. This is, this is just a, a weird-ass concept. It's a, it's a simple, weird concept that, like I said... Allows for everything, including just infinite designs of characters. Okay. Which I which I think works. Uh, the guy doing the artwork for it. Uh, let me just pull up his name. Da, 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 Motherlands. Uh, fuck. Um. Oh, sorry. It's a lady. Uh, Rachel Scott. Rachel Stott. This is the first thing I've really seen of hers, and she is a really good artist. She's able to draw these different worlds so that they actually do feel different. Uh, character design has a lot of energy and imagination behind it. She's pretty good with expressive faces and drawing differences in and drawing like these like a really good uh, like variety of different looking people. So it, so this does feel just like this huge conglomerate of like this huge like conf- con- like a fucking congregation of just weird assholes. Okay. And it all works. This is this is just a really like solid first issue that I think nothing like super spectacular, but is enough that but it's enough to keep me reading. Okay, it's got so far interesting characters. Looks like it could be having like a solid, uh, like a solid concept going forward. Uh, the two of them have like but, like Tabitha and her mom have a good like back and forth with her, like with her being just this, with her being just like the shittiest kind of person. And Tabitha just, ah, oh, fuck, God damn it! Just resigned to it all, not wanting to do, not wanting to deal with it all, but just knowing she has to. I'm liking it. It's simple. It is straightforward, and it has enough and has enough legs to go anywhere. Okay. Yeah, that's what I got. Nico. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> so. I'll try to quickly mention this book because I talk too goddamn long, apparently. <laughs> uh, although this deserves a little bit of a talk before we wrap up the show. Uh, this is Invincible, Volume 25, the last volume. Bye, guys. <laughs> is this because you just don't want to hear me or you don't want to spoil the series for yourself? <laughs> we'll let him know. We'll never know. We'll never know. I, I'm going to go with he doesn't want to spoil it for himself, even though he read the first few volumes 
Yeah. I, I recall him saying it's not his cuppa, but um, it gets better as it goes. Anyways, I actually did the same thing Bertie just did last time you talked about this, then <laughs> <laughs> on the show. It was just you and me, and I had to leave because I did not want to hear the conclusion at that time because you were reading in issues and I was reading it in trade, so I wanted to see. So... I'll address this first. Um, overall, let's get a. Uh, I'm not gonna go with ratings. Ratings. We're gonna go with. Did you like it or did you? What do you think? Was odd. Okay. Like especially as an ending. Okay. And here's the thing, and I'll say this right off the bat, and I wonder and wonder if you think the same thing. Uh, now, there was a letter at the end of this volume that Kirkman wrote, basically summing up his time on this book, one of those. And I always like to read these things from creators when they wrap something up, kind of to get in the mind space they're at. I don't know if you read this or not, but he says in it, essentially, I bet you guys thought, well... Not to quote him, I could look for it, but uh, I'm trying to look through it. Anyways, he, I'll, he I'll basically, find it. yeah, he basically says, yeah, he basically says though, in, in in I don't know the exact words, I bet you guys all thought I was going to end this with a lot of death <laughs> and a lot, uh, you know, knowing Robert Kirkman, then the and what a lot of people don't like about him is the fact that he likes to torture his characters, the trials and tribulations that he puts these people through in the walking dead. And as well as invincible throughout this whole fucking series, have been testing to the characters, to the reader in general, the fact that some fans really don't like him for this fact. And when I read that at the end, I was like, you know, he's fucking right. I didn't never, I never realized it. I never gave it too much thought, even going into this volume, how I thought he was going to end it. The fact that he was ending it was bittersweet to me, and I just wanted to read it. But he's right. I, at, deep down within me, I did probably think he was going to fuck it. a lot of people over in the end of the yeah, story. So, but. yeah, so this is the last thing. Uh, I, so I found it. Um, okay. A good chunk of it is just like him giving thanks to different people at Image for like letting him right. do this. Right. But like, but uh, one of the things he says is, this series is everything I've ever loved about superhero comics crammed into one series. I think yeah. it's fulfilled that promise. And while there's certainly other things I love about superhero comics, I think our story is told. Mark Grayson radically changed his alien race from, from a warring scourge of the galaxy to the saviors of the yeah. galaxy. His story is told. His now. mission that he yeah. didn't even realize he was on ha- has been completed. And he, and he got to live the happily ever after. I wonder how many of you thought the series would end with everybody dying a horrible death. <laughs> right. And when I read that, I was like, absolutely. I was like, I actually, I guess I did think that because I didn't actually realize it till then because I've just been going along with the story this whole time, enjoying the ride. But when I read that, I was like, you know what? I'm glad he didn't end it that way. And it's bittersweet because this did end. It ended in a way, but I'll tell you my one little nitpick with it. The last issue, although it was oversized, maybe the last issue or last two issues, there were so many strings of storylines that could have continued for many more issues and possibilities that we just oh yeah very this, briefly... this, this was like this was like yeah. this was like four or five like right another like year worth like another like two right. years or something worth of comics crammed right. into an, crammed into an issue and that was my problem with this end yeah, I love was... don't get me wrong 
I loved it. I loved the fact that at the end he looks at his family. He's starting. He basically took over the Veltramite Empire. He 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 did right by his father, who ended up dying after all, which I didn't expect, even after the fact that all they can heal. Um, and, and yeah, I'll give you a moment here, Deadman, because I want to hear your thoughts on it as well. But I just, I just loved, I loved how it ended. How he looked at basically the reader, and he just like. It, or no, he looked at that last race of alien race. They go to some planet. Yeah, they, they, went, they daughter, went to a planet where like they yeah. were going to fight somebody. Terra took down took down the took down their fucking champion right. of their of the gladiator race or whatever. He he right. attacks Mark. His sword fucking shatters, and he's like, and he's like, wait, everyone in your race is that strong? Why the fuck haven't you just murdered us he, yet? Yeah, he's like, why haven't you gone on like this whole time? You could have did this. He's like, I'm sorry for the disrespect I showed you. I'm sorry for what I've done, but. I don't understand why you won't raise your hand to me. And he's like, like, that's the Viltramite way. That's right. There's a single splash page of Mark's face staring at you. Those two lines. Yeah. And it's fantastic. And yeah, that's what I love. I mean, uh, it sounds like you also enjoyed that. I loved that about it because they even retrace. They, they go back right to the start of the series with the fact that he threw down with his father and they didn't get along. And at that point, and he didn't understand his ways and he didn't understand his ways. And it's, It's always been a book about right and wrong and people's perspectives on that. Even to the end, like he 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 had to throw down a whole issue in the sun with fucking uh, what's his name there at the end. Um, Yeah, with Marky. Yes, Uh, and and no, not Marky. No, um, the other Viltrumite, um, the guy who was his father's enemy. What's his name? Oh, Thrag. Yes, thank you, Thrag. And I think in this issue. No, 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 no. And he throws down with him a whole issue in the fucking side. Uh, just beating the shit out of each other to the point where he brings him to death and he's in near death. And, and, and just like, he says it to him. He, like, and there's a point, like, where the whole issue, they can't hear each other anymore because they can't speak anymore to each other because they're fighting in the sun and they can't hear each other's thoughts. It's just, it's too much for all of them. And you hear from the first, um, from the, his narrative, the first person, like, of, of how he's like, you know what? You know what? He doesn't have that I have love behind me and people that love me and people that want to see me win and, 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 and want to change things. And it was just, it just went back to the original. I thought he did a very good job of bridging 140 fucking four issues later. Um, how the series initially started with him and his dad having a disagreement of how the Viltramites want to take over the Earth because this is what I must do for my people. And oh, yeah. This series, issue was essentially the entire, yeah. like, 145-issue sequel to Invincible crammed into a single issue. Right. So it was good in that sense, and it was bad in that sense. I It, 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 it perturbed me because I wish that they extended this out a little bit more. Yeah, like, it, it felt... Like, yeah. This, this is going to sound weird. But it felt like it felt like what How I Met Your Mother tried to do with their ending. Oh, I fucking hated that ending. No, I can't compare it to that. No, no, I, I can't. Because, <laughs> that's the thing. Like, like, like oh. issue, like fucking this this thing. Last issue was all the Viltrumites have to leave. Right. And then and then fucking Anissa's Anissa's husband and their two kids are like, "Yo, we're gonna fucking stay." And then this issue is what happened until the end of that story. Just right. going on and beyond what they fucking thought. It feels like that. It, like, it reminded me actually of the How I Met Your Mother thing because How I Met Your Mother it ended with, hey, they meet and then it is a truncated, quickened version of the rest of their lives. Right. 
And that's kind of that's kind of what this is. This, that's what this was. But it was but it was that mm. done better. Yes. Okay. Okay. I was hoping you said yeah, that, something that, that, like that. I, did, I, just, fact, I, said that I said that at the top. It is. It is yeah. what the fucking How I Met Your Mother ending tried to do. Okay. Yeah. Because the problem I felt with How I Met Your Mother's ending, and I asked, I watched the whole fucking show as well. Um, is the fact that they kept referencing to this big moment that was going to happen. But in the end, it just, it was too drawn out that last season. The whole wedding was half the fucking season. No, the, the whole wedding whole was the season. season. The, the whole season, season yeah. two days. That's right. That's right. You're right. And that's what bugged me about that fucking show. I was like, really? You're going to do everybody like this at the end, like dirty like this, that's been watching this show or, or whatever, uh, streamed it like I did on Netflix, whatever the fuck. But the fact that they did all the viewers like that at the end, like in like that, just like said, Oh yeah, guess what? We're just going to fucking fuck with you right at the end of the story. And guess what? The people that you thought were going to be with each other ended up with each other. And the people, yeah, this, you're right. This was the pitch perfect ending, picture perfect ending that you expected, but did not expect, but you're right. They played it off in a much better way. Yeah. In my it's, opinion. It's still, yeah, it's still yeah, not yeah, great yeah. because like we, we essentially got robbed of like very, a uh, potentially yes. great stories. Yes. Because they just fast forwarded through. I'm like, fuck. In this, we find out fucking Eve is immortal. Yeah. And I'll tell you, yeah, that was, you're right. There is a lot of, I'll tell you the two scenes in particular that, that pissed me off in this last issue because there's a point where they're going scene to scene, giving one or two pages to them where they could have been whole storylines in the series. Okay, the immortal thing, I get it. Eve has always been, has power. Yeah, Eve is gone. Yes, exactly. Okay. Whatever, I'll roll with that. The thing that really pissed me off is there's a scene of you seeing his daughter grow up. And one of the six panels is basically him, essentially what I would think, catching her just after having sex. <laughs> yeah. He's like, he's like, that boy was beneath you. How dare you do this? And he's like, and Wait, beside me, and on top of me, and behind me. <laughs> and I was like, he's like, that's not what I meant. I was like, what the fuck? Yeah, like, also, like, like Mark like, has never been a guy who seemed like anybody was beneath him. That's, yeah, he's always, been, right, but the fact that he's now, I guess, the Empire of the Veltramites, I, I don't know. Yeah, maybe, the Empire, yeah, he's the Emperor, but, like, right. but like, fucking... No, you're right. You're right, he's never looked down on people like this, and the fact, but it is his daughter, and he may have caught them in having, I don't know, see, that's the thing, we just, that's... A, a panel on a six panel yeah, fucking two page yeah, spread. Like, her, that that girl's entire life is right. Fucking six vertically oriented panels. Right, right, and it just was not fair to sum up that character in that amount of time, in my opinion. So yeah, you're right. It, it didn't give the time that is. And then the other thing that pissed me off is there was a moment where you see him talking with Alan the alien, one of my favorite fucking characters from the series ever. And, and, and he, and he basically says, Oh yeah, you know, you're going to go against the coalition. Like you don't believe in what we're doing nowadays. And he's like, yeah, I don't, I don't know. He's like, well, I was afraid you were going to say that. And then it cuts to a fucking page of all his people fighting his people. And then the next page you see him helping up off the ground and saying like, he's like, so I guess everything is going to change. <laughs> like, I yeah. was just like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> I was like, like you're like, like, like I would have been better off with just you doing a two page synopsis. at the end of What happened? Like, I just, I was very pissed off that they basically summed these moments off. You're right. I, it, it did. I, I, you feel the same dead man. Sorry. Go on. Yeah. Did yeah. You feel just the same? Like this, yeah. It's just this big like, fucking thing. Uh, right. That, uh, I don't know. It, 
We spent so much time with these fucking characters. Yeah, we characters spent so much time, and then yeah. we fast forward <laughs> through the rest of their lives. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird. So, yeah. So, as much as I like the last few pages and the way they summed everything up, and the overall message and the fact that his characters ended happy, and he even made relation, he even got to get to know his rape son. <laughs> that happened. Yeah, his um, rape baby. Right, right. Um, you know what? There is a lot to like in this last volume. There's a lot to like at the end of this series. Although, as being as big of a fan of this series as uh, we both were, I don't see how you cannot have seen some of those moments at the end and not feel a certain way of how we would have liked to see some of those play out a little bit more before ending this. Yeah, series. like, like, right? Yeah. So absolutely. So we need. So we I needed something. We needed like. Right. We needed to see some of that stuff play out and not just get, like, three panels saying, hey, this is a thing that happened. Right. I understand, I understand like, you know, he was ending the book. That's how he wanted to end sure. it. But it it just feels weird as a fan. Right. And that's what I mean. I can't – you're right. It's, it puts me in a weird position where I can't exactly say it was a bad ending, but I can't exactly justify everything that he did because I liked seeing all those moments, but I wanted more. Yeah. I wanted to see those play out in full effect as opposed to, hey, here's a page. This could have been something. You know what I mean? Like that's – it kind of annoyed me, but that's not a bad thing. He left the reader wanting more, and I, I don't think he'll ever come back to this, but if he Probably ever does, I mean – Right. He's spending all the time uh, on the walking fucking dead. Yeah, a couple of quick other things before Bertie comes back um, that I did enjoy, though. I thought it was pretty fucking hilarious that they made uh, – he beat Robot finally and he becomes a, a brain <laughs> in a jar. I liked that. I liked that. Uh, I thought I was like, okay. Like, I, was like, I was like, that's a thing. And he's still going to advise the immortal for the rest of time. I thought that was interesting. And uh, I wanted something that Invincible could pull off because there was some ridiculous moments along the way. Um, I, I, I think his father's death did definitely play a part in his decision to become – to grow. I liked how his son became invincible. That's what I mean. There were some good moments. I definitely yeah. did like. I'm just flipping through the book right now. I did like a lot about this ending, but like you said, I I really would have wish they dedicated a little bit more time to some of these moments in the last issue. Like it, it, even stretch it to 150, and then on 144, stretch it to 150, like a nice round number. Right? <laughs> like why not? Would that would it really have killed you to do it six more issues? I don't think so, but. Uh, anyways, Invincible. If you've never checked out this series, we've gushed about it on the show time and time again. This may be one of the last times we actually talk in depth about this book on the show because I know we have quite a bit along the way. But uh, I hope to one day go back and read it all because I have all the trades. Yeah. And, uh, it, it was a great series. And definitely for me, Robert Kirkman's best thing he's ever written. Absolutely. Um, uh, so, yeah. So, there you go. So, I guess we're much just pretty here. Yep. <laughs> um. And uh, yeah, it was uh, it was a, a good experience overall. But uh, yeah, uh, very sweet. Yeah. <laughs> so, welcome back, Bernie. Back there you go. <laughs> so, of what reading then? On to news. So, first up, DC. This will be the first of many DC stories to come out today. Uh, there they just unveiled a new imprint, DC Black Label. Yeah, which is just going to be a creator-led lineup where just, yo, creators go fucking nuts. 
Um, one of them, not great to let go nuts. Uh, Frank Miller. <laughs> I knew you were going to talk about this. <laughs> yeah, Frank Miller. Uh, Frank Miller's a Superman Year One with John Beter Jr. is going to be part of this, along with <laughs> along with Batman so Damned. Uh, you're really quiet, Birdie. That better? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I was hoping cooler heads would prevail in the Frank Miller Superman thing. Nope. <laughs> nope, that's just Superman Year One with John Amita Jr. Uh, we got Batman Damned from Brian Azzarello and Lee Bermejo, uh, which, has, which teams up Batman and Constantine to try to solve the Joker's death, I guess. Who cares? <laughs> and Wonder Woman Historia, The Amazons, from Kelly Sue DeConnick and Phil Jimenez. That's not a bad creative team. Yeah, uh, it will be telling the lost history of the Amazons, uh, from their creation to the arrival of Steve Trevor. Ooh. Okay. I don't know. None of these from what I know about, be. From what I know about the Amazons and her history, but for... He showed up. Not much interesting happened. Yeah, this seems to be a really fucking massive creative lineup for some books that nobody really wants. Yeah, it's like like a book about all the time Clark Kent spent in college. Yeah. (laughs) (sighs) Moving on. Uh, Gail Simone is going to be writing a (laughs) Plastic Man series for DC. This sounds like fun. Yeah. Hopefully it's an actually funny Plastic Man series. Here's yeah, here's fucking hoping. Uh the front cover does not the so they released a cover for issue 1 uh drawn by Aaron Lepresti who worked with uh who worked with Gail Simone on Wonder Woman Conan. Uh there'll be a bunch of different guest artists uh, for variant covers because fuck me. Yeah, the first issue is some femme fatale looking lady standing over a dead body with a bunch of dudes in the back carrying bloody pipes and then Plastic Man stretching in looking serious. Maybe it's his wife. I think I think that Gail Simone has the writing chops to write like a really wacky, funny uh, Plastic Man as he should be, in my opinion. Like, I hope if so. She, if, she draw, because- if she writes him like a Secret Six character or something like that, you know what I mean? Like that was, I think that was... At least my favorite Gail Simone stuff she did was the Secret Six stuff, and uh, her Birds of Prey stuff for me is better than her Secret Six stuff. I, I love never the read Secret that. Six, I've never read oh, that. So wow. yeah, that's okay. Mm. Yeah, yeah. It, she writes something it, like her, that. The Birds of Prey good. stuff is why I hate the revamped right. new Neo Batgirl and the Birds of Prey shit. <laughs> there, yeah. Speaking well, of besides the fact that it's awful. Speaking of the Neo Bird, speaking of the new Birds of Prey stuff. So, Green Arrow is getting a new creative team. Oh, yeah. It's the ones that did that Birds of Prey book. Uh, Benson's. <laughs> yep. Uh, Julie and Shauna Benson will be taking over uh, Green Arrow uh, with, at Green, Annu- Green Arrow Annual Number 2 uh, with them moving into the regular series artist and writer uh, in August with Green Arrow Number 43. And according to the Hollywood Reporter, uh, in doing so, they will remarkably 
become the only women writers with a regular gig on a male-led solo title in either DC or Marvel superhero lineup. What? Apparently, these two women writers will be the only women writers who are regular writers on a male-led book. Are they saying two writers or just like one, even a writer? Just the fact that women will be writing Green Arrow is the big thing. Because no okay. other solo male book has women writing on it. Did you guys? Did either of you guys keep it? The Green Arrow Rebirth. I yeah, read some of it. it. I, I, read, it I read some of it. It, it was all good. seemed pretty consistently okay. Yeah, I thought it was good. Yeah, I'm still yeah. reading it. Okay, yeah, I mean, it's one of the it's one of the the Rebirth books I'm sticking with still um, mm. for the most part. Yeah, I mean, it's I read the first two trades. It's still weirdly like about it. banking, but <laughs> yeah, it's a little too finance heavy like the thing i always thought i took from both bruce wayne and oliver queen is that they always kind of were good at the finances side of their job but were annoyed by it yeah and yeah and like i don't i I have no problem with women writers working on male characters that's fine it's just i wish they were better writers yeah like there's just like we we just need more like we just need more good female writers. Yeah, like Gail Simone writing the Plastic Man series. That's that's cool. Uh, I would be okay with people with women working on a Oliver Queen Green Arrow series if it wasn't this creative team. It's not a sexist thing. I just think these two are not good writers. Yeah, no. <laughs> Fair. I haven't read any of that Birds of Prey, but that was based off mostly what you said. (laughs) That that was a good decision because it just kept getting dumber. You missed the part where I had to tell Deadman that the guy who discovered that Batgirl was once somehow Oracle was, oh my God, some guy. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So. Some guy. In a move that, (laughs) sure, DC is going to be publishing a book called Old man, old lady Harley. <laughs> Are you fucking serious? What? I never heard this. A Harley Quinn parody of Old Man Logan. Are you fucking kidding me? Nope, 100% serious. The cover, Im- all- <laughs> yeah, the cover image, instead of having Wolverine's three claws up covered in blood, it's Harley Quinn holding a pitchfork covered in blood. Holy fuck. Out of all the announcements you made of these new shows, this is... This has surprised me the most. Okay, you, you see, Deadman, you know what's funny? When you said old old lady Harley, you know what my mind jumped to? What is that? The the Batman Beyond movie, Return of the Joker, where it turns out that Harley Quin, Harley Quinzel was like the aunt of the two little girls who were in the Joker's gang. <laughs> And she has like she has like a clown gun full of rock salt, telling all the new jokers to get off her lawn or something. Yeah. So moving on, <laughs> please. So, Jesus Christ, I might get some of this information wrong because because CBR dot com will not let me look at their article without turning up my ad blocker and fuck them. Is this the announcement from today? Uh, this is multiple announcements. Yes. Just like ass loads and ass loads and ass loads of fucking announcements. So first up, uh, Lobo has a daughter and she's joining the Teen Titans. Okay. Did whoever did whoever is whoever came up with this? Did they look at the fact that Rose Wilson became one of the better Teen Titan characters and thought, let's make another 
not good person have a child and make them a titan? Maybe. I don't know. Because I liked Rose Wilson as part of the Titans, but... Yeah, so her name is Crush. And she is one of three new characters joining, with the other two being Jin, some lady, and Roundhouse, a fat boy. There you go. Some guy, some lady. Yeah. The other two members of the team will be uh, Red Arrow, a.k.a. Um, Emmy Queen, or whatever fucking name is, like... Red Arrow, like Green Arrow sister. Right, yeah, the character they brought in in the green, new Green yeah. Arrow book. And I like Kid, her, though. And Kid Flash, the Black Wally West. The cover, yeah. They, the okay. cover, yeah, the cover they have released for it. He it, was already on the Teen Titans, though, wasn't he? Uh, no, he got, he got fired. Oh, by, by Damien, though. Yeah. Yeah, fuck him. <laughs> no, Damien's still on the team. He's still leading the team. And oh, on the cover why that, is he back? <laughs> and on the cover that they released, he's... Looking like he's trying to do like a hip hop photo shoot. Okay. Does it's he have like, his arms on his shoulders? Uh, no, it is Damien <laughs> crouched in front of an expensive car with like a hand on the chin and like puffing his lips out. Nice. I need to see this. <laughs> while oh, there is a car behind him uh, that everybody is in while Crush is ripping the roof off of it. Is the car on two wheels? <laughs> uh, no. But it is fish eyed. Yeah, dead, I don't know if this is the CBR thing you were talking about, Dead Man, but I'm looking at comments from the writer of this, Adam Glass, where he's like, To me, Crush is created because of my daughter. So Crush is girl rage. She's fight club. She says it the way it is and doesn't care. There's no politically correct with her. And she's a hammer. I think this is going to Fuck. be really fun. Fuck him. <sighs> if you wanted to do that, just make her gin. Gin is nothing. Gin is a new person. You can make her whatever the fuck you want. Why... <sighs> Go back, go back to writing Supernatural. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> DC has announced 18,000 new Justice League teams. Yay. <laughs> I'm on board for all of them. Fuck yeah. So, I will, be do- I will not be going into like a lot of details on this. It will be the team name and the team lineup. That's what we got. Any questions? Ask me when I'm done. Oh, fuck. So first up, Team Mystery, featuring Martian Manhunter, Sinestro, Superman, Starfire, and Starro. Team Entropy, featuring Lobo, Lex Luthor, Beast Boy, Batman, and Deathstroke. Team Wonder, featuring Raven, Dr. Fate, Zatanna, Wonder Woman, and Etrigan the Demon. And finally, Team Wisdom. Cyborg, Harley Quinn, Adam, The Flash, and Damian Wayne Robin. Okay. After that, the- oh. <laughs> we have Justice League Beyond, or Justice League Odyssey, sorry. Yeah, Justice League Odyssey, with the team lineup being Cyborg, Starfire, Jessica Cruz, Azrael, and Darkseid. And then Justice League Dark, which will have Wonder Woman, Zatanna, Swamp Thing, Man Bat, and Detective Chimp. Okay. So the last two, I think, are written by Josh Williamson and James Tidian at the Dark, I believe I heard. But the first four, I know one of them, Scott Snyder. Who is writing the other three? Because I didn't hear about those exactly. Uh, like the Team Mystery, Team Entropy. Like, who fuck is writing these? I 
Does it say? Because uh, they've only he announced. doesn't know. <laughs> yeah, let, let me double check because I just leave the articles because they were too stupid for me to hold on to. No, that's fair enough. I, I mean, because I'm, I'm basically basing these off for myself for creative teams involved, maybe to see the check them out. Uh, so well, I all the, well, all the announcement artwork for them was done by Francis Manipool. Right. But I know that uh, Snyder's got, like, what's his name? Jim Chung from fucking Marvel and uh, some other fucking <laughs> awesome fucking artist. Uh, uh, so. Mm. It doesn't say no worries. I just figured I'd ask because I don't know. I don't care. Yeah, I don't yeah. think it says. Right, like, on. it just says, uh, like, it's part of fucking. It's part of Justice League No Justice. All right, Snyder's doing one, Josh Williamson's doing another, and Tinian's doing the Justice League Dark. I think Josh Williamson's doing the Cyborg team. And that, anyways, that's Why the all fuck I know. does Cyborg have a team? I don't know, but I believe that's the one that he's Because affirmative of. action. Also, Josh Williamson's leaving Detective because of this, and I'm very upset. Uh-huh. Yeah, anyways, go on. Yeah, fuck this. Just fuck all of this. This is all fucking yeah. stupid. Are you going to talk about the Donald Glover news? Uh yeah, Donald Glover left. Donald Glover and his brother left the FX Deadpool series. Yeah, and, and tweeted a whole fucking script he just made up to fucking yeah. troll over creative differences. <laughs> that worked. Yeah, he's like, I wasn't fucking too busy for this shit. Here's the script. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. And then, last piece of news: it's a biggie. It's a big boy. It's a one. Fantastic Four, come back. Is y'all yeah, fucking nice. ready? And you see, I was briefly excited about this until I looked up the creative team. <laughs> so, on the one hand, Sarah Pacelli. I think he could pull it off, maybe. On the other hand, Dan Slott. Uh, here's the thing. The other book that they announced in slot was going to after Spider-Man was Iron Man. I was like, fucking no way. <laughs> I was like, I'm not reading that. For one, I don't care if shit about Iron Man. For two, I don't want, want to read a dance lot Iron Man. But this, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I might, I might be into it. He might write a good Fantastic Four. I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm just know, like Sarah Pacelli, man. Like she's. A, I know she's great. She's she great. is great. She needs like better work. If he brings the same type of thing he brought, maybe to the Silver Surfer, I might be into it because, like, there was a there was there was a certain like old school style that he almost did to the Silver Surfer series, where like I'm like, you know what, that might work for Fantastic Four. No, I don't so, know. So, so here's the thing. That energy it worked for it worked with, it worked great with Silver Surfer because Silver Surfer is just a fucking red, insane though. out there awesome character and that was also all red on that book. The Fantastic so. Four yeah. are the Fantastic Four. Mm. It takes a lot to make these characters interesting. Yeah, yeah like so, three quarter like so one quarter of the team is kind of interesting. One quarter of the team is straight up evil. Two quarters of the team are are like intermittently interesting but mostly boring. He's written both Ben and Human Torch, though, many a times. Yeah, like, like I he, had, Human, I, Torch, I had, Human Torch when working off Spider-Man, I think works. Because, like, the two, yeah, of, them, two right. of them two of them, have good chemistry together. Ben Grimm, I just kind of like. 
Sue Storm. another example, Sue Storm, the most interesting I've ever seen her was when she showed up in She-Hulk's book and they had like a girl power team of superheroes thing going with Thundra and Valkyrie. Yeah, the Lady Liberators. Which was written by Dan Slott, was it not? No. No. That was Peter. Oh, you're not talking about the Dan Slott. No, this was this is oh. the second. This, this is the second one by Peter. Dave. Yeah, this was Frank uh, Cho, motherfuckers. Okay, yeah. my bad. I liked the Dan Slott yeah. She-Hulk too. Not Reed like Richards, both, but there yeah. different reasons. Yeah. yeah, Reed Richards yeah. is the worst hero because everybody who writes him <laughs> thinks he's a superhero, but writes him like a supervillain. I'm gonna give this a shot. I, you're right. I, mean, I, I, I will I too. Will read it because I'm not I'm, sold on Slott. I'm with you guys. I'm not yeah. sold on him though, but. Like, for one thing, if the last few years of Spider-Man comics have taught me anything, I'm not sure Slot knows how to write compelling right. normal human characters anymore. You're right. And, and Dead Man, I have to say something kind of sad about your previous entry that I didn't know that you didn't mention about uh, the, the Justice League series. Um, the the Odyssey series that's drawn that's going to be by um, William Joshua Williamson. The art's by Jeff and Sajic. I know, I know. I saw that. It's, 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 I, uh, I'm on board. <laughs> Look, I'm going to end up reading all of these because whether Same. I like it or not, it's my self-imposed what the fuck job. is that design for Darkseid? <laughs> Dark- oh, that's the other thing. Darkseid's leading one of those teams. I said yes. that. Oh, yeah, no, that's great. I'm not, I knew that. It's just the design is awful. It's, it's I like Desaad is turning into Darkseid. If they do some sort of clayface shit with that, him leading the team, I'll be into it. <laughs> they, they describe Darkseid as the team's Hannibal Lecter. I'm into it. So it's not. So it's not. So it's not like a redemption thing. It is. He is still yeah. evil, but is going to be like, right. I'm evil and creepy, but I will help and you manip- because of reasons. And manipulating them all. I'm into that. I'm good. Uh, anyway. Uh. <laughs> so back to the other book that will probably disappoint us. Yeah. Yeah. I'll try it out. Yeah, I'll probably try it out too. Yeah, I, I will too because I I I want a good FF book. If Same. for nothing else, as I was telling Dead Man, it might. It, it, I mean, obviously, at some point in the future, Marvel Studios is going to try their hands at a Fantastic Four movie since yeah, Fox has tr- has failed three times right. to make one. Yeah, and the the last one being arguably one of the worst Marvel movies ever made. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean. Uh, you're right. I'm not sold completely on slot, but I, I just getting... want I just want someone to write a book that acknowledges that Reed Richards is a bad person. Yeah, I I don't think Dan Slot's the person to do it. <laughs> Reed no. Richards is a deplorable human being, and he needs to be stopped. Yeah, I mean, like Dead Man and I were discussing World War Hulk yesterday, and we were like. Reed Richards seems so appalled at the seems so certain that he could never possibly make a mistake or a morally wrongheaded decision, and that everyone else looks at him like, "Yeah, this is all your fault, you assholes." Yeah. Well, no. And Nick speaking Man of stops. never going to write him in that light, like despite he he referenced the fact that he made bad decisions, but despite all that, he is still the most intelligent person in the Marvel universe. You know up what I mean? Like up until this book, he was God. Yeah, essentially, through Secret Wars, yeah. he was God. He became God in another universe at the end of that. <laughs> no, event, no, he, right? no, he became God outside of the universe and then made right. all of the universes. Right. So <sighs> Maybe yeah. that's why things are so shitty, because Reed Richards made it. I'll, I'll give it a shot. I'll give it a shot. Yeah, anyway. I'll, I'll see. Anyway. That does it for news. That's going to do it for this week. Thank you all for joining us. Yay. We'll be back when we're back. <laughs> Whatever. With more of this shit. 
Until then, I'm dead. Since I don't do since I don't do movies anymore, look forward to maybe uh, a horse shitting on uh, Krypton. I'm Birdie. I will eventually be here once again. I'm Nico. <laughs> and we will see you guys next time. <laughs>